Hello everyone, welcome back to Lime Succession. I am your host Lee, I am here, I am joined by Spencer. Spencer, say hey to the people. Hey everybody. Spencer, we are in the back half of season three of Succession. We are in episode six. I think it's time to choose a president. You want to choose a president with me? Uh, apparently the show wants us to. Uh, can I offer a nominee for who it's not going to be? Kendall Roy, dear God, your horse son. It just died at the died at the starter pistol. You always, you, you have, but you know, it's like that thing. Well, who had the quote, like the reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. Mark, Mark, Sam Clemens, Mark Twain. Yeah. So like, that's what you do with Kendall every week. You, you, you really want to bury him. Did he have a good week? No, but he's not buried, but we will get into that and more here online of succession. We have our segments that we do every week. I, and I alone lead the recap. That's right. Lee reads the recap every week. And then we do uh roy of the episode where we will power rank our roys we typically start at the bottom who had the worst week we'll fight i'm sure it'll say kendall he does every week we'll move up we pick who has the best who was the best roy then we will go to line of succession which is the best line of the episode previously we used to do roman line of the episode dude i'm starting to think we should do roman line of the episode. <laughs> roman was two fucking starter pistols in your face this episode guns blazing he was on it, fire this episode. It, it seems like he needs time to warm up when it comes to the seasons. That we always start a season with, <laughs> well, you know, just general best line of the show. And then about midway through, we're like, no, Roman's had his coffee now. The man's ready to go from here. I've got a theory on that. I think that there's one particular writer who writes Roman. And I think he likes to partake. And I think he maybe <laughs> maybe a couple of the early writing sessions is just hung over. Mm -hmm. And then he just kind of finds his gears later on. But whatever are it you, is, Roman is on fire this episode. Are you, are you suggesting this guy is on such a bender he needs six full episodes of television before he really actually starts tuning into the conversation? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, let's entertain this theory. That's a that's a real bender, Spencer. That's not that's not a Spencer yep. bender. That's a real bender. Uh, yeah. That's my that's my guess on this this guy. I don't know. Whatever it is, Roman was on fire this episode. So we will do line of succession, which probably will be a Roman quote, and then we will go to my favorite three minutes of the week. If Spencer's willing to do it this week, are you willing to do it this week? I, I actually have three separate short things to talk about. So yes, I'm coming back. Fuck yeah! The, yes, the segment is back. Spencer's doing relationship advice of the episode here to wrap us up on Line of Succession. Before we jump into that, a little housekeeping. This is a Mangum Talks, M-A-N-G-U-M, Mangum Talks podcast. If you like this podcast, if you like listening to us gab, go to your favorite podcast platform, probably the one you're on right now. Hell, just open it right up. Type in Mangum Talks. All of our stuff will pop up. We have one other active pod going right now that I'm really excited to tell you about. It's called As the Wheel of Time Turns. It's about the Amazon series, Amazon Prime series, Wheel of Time. Spencer, you are not on this podcast. You would hate being on this podcast. Let me tell you the release schedule Why? they did for this. Yeah, let me tell you the release schedule they did. So it's six episodes season one, right? First yeah. week, three episodes drop at the same time. No. And then they pick no. up then they pick up week by no. week. So what did we have to do to in, in order to be week by week with the back half of the season? We did three full episodes in one week so you right now on as the wheel of time turns our podcast we have three episodes we covered all three that dropped last thursday so check that out it's a lot of fun it's with myself bj who you can check on mangum reads uh at all and all the other podcasts we do here on mangum talks uh my wife sarah is on it sarah's on it you do a podcast with sarah and then BJ's i do partner Bree. so it's a foursome we have a, a nice foursome we round out and it's a lot of fun on as the wheel of time turns check that out and we, 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 we will be week by week with you now so when it when it pops out on thursday we'll be with you probably about saturday or sunday for a full episode 
uh, reviewing it. And then what we plan on doing is at the very back end of that season, um, I'm just going to completely fuck off, probably start doing some cool pods with Spencer, and they're going to do a big, long book spoiler review. Uh. Like where they're at with the books, talk all about it. I, Unsullied, I know nothing about that. I will not be on that podcast. But there you go. That's enough of the plugging. It's a good time. Spencer, you got something for us? I'm just going to say, should I start taking bets now on how long it takes before you pick up the books? Because you have a well-known habit of starting with the show, enjoying it, getting very passionate about it, and then devouring the books like food is no longer present on the planet. So you have, like, I think you have, like, just enough time to do this podcast. Like, it's, like, just under the wire to do this podcast. So I know you're not listening to As Wheel of Time Turns, but you would crack crack up if you listened to it. Because we did a intro pod, which was just like the trailer, like just talked about the trailer and I was out. Didn't care. I did my typical, like when I show up on Mangum reads, like, I don't give a fuck about this. Like, what is this crap? I don't care. Who cares? And mm-hmm, then the first mm-hmm, three mm-hmm. episodes dropped and they kicked it to me on the first episode to do the recap. And I was like, okay, here it is. Moraine. And then <laughs> it and started. Was, oh, oh. And I got super into it. Yeah. As I always do. So you're hundred percent right about that. I've gotten really into it now that I've been able to in, uh, digest some of the materials. So that's a really good show on Amazon prime. If you enjoy it, check it out and check out our podcast as wheel of time turns, but that's not why you're here. You're here because you want to hear about the Roy's. You want to hear about Succession. You want to hear about this episode, season three, episode six, what it takes. Is that it? What it takes? Going for what it takes. Yeah. Going for what it takes. I'm excited, my friend. Okay. You ready for the recap? Ready when you are. Boom. We start with, uh, hey, did you get the preview of HBO's Music Box series? I did. I, it seems like it's very consistent ads at the start of this thing. I don't think we're getting like localized uh, ad time here. So I... This is like really bringing back like that 90s feel for me because it's like a bunch of 90s artists. And I don't think I've ever told you this before, but I spent a good solid 10 years of my life with a crush on Alanis Morissette. You haven't. How has this never come up? You have I don't know. Ne- literally never admitted that before in all the years we've known each other. I know. It took me into like it took me all the way into like the Paris Hilton sort of phase when that happened all hmm. the way up until then, before I got another crush, I was on Alanis Morissette for a long time. So, so I can't we talking wait like to watch her, uh, her, her, or it's like a, it's not her. I think somebody's doing it about her, but it's a, a documentary yeah. about that sort of nineties period where she released the album jacket, little pill. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, you absolutely adore these kind of, these, these kind of uh, documentaries about these music productions in the nineties. We've done a few before on, on, Mang- on uh, Mangum Talks before, and uh, other shows HBO has what done. Plug. So. Nice. Nice. I imagine you were straight up excited for the moment that that thing drops. What an idea, Spencer. Why don't we do Jagged Little Pill? Why don't we do Jagged on Mangum Talks, our other general review podcast you can check out anywhere. That would be a lot of fun. So that's what I got. I was excited about that. We did get the recap, the previously on, a lot of focus on Kindle, the DOJ investigation, regulatory issues that Waystar are facing. Also, the president not running again. That was specifically pointed out. The Raisin is not running again. Can I, can I just start your thought? Can I tell you as an attorney how utterly frustrating this episode was, and particularly Kendall's relationship I'm with so his now former legal team? I'm so excited to hear this. I cannot Dear wait God. to hear your take on this because, yeah, it was trouble. So, uh, no cold opening, right to the no, music. So we said an all-time record, 0.00, zeros on the, on the clock. We had no cold opening. We start with Keith, which is, I guess, somebody working for uh, Kendall's attorney. Probably a younger associate, him, yeah. Yeah, like an associate asking Kendall questions, asking him to explain how illegal payments are made and approved and by whom. This is Kendall. Yeah, I got it. What's next? Kendall, you want to you answer that? I think I'm good. 
Okay, fine. Uh, well, I approve of payments because I love sexual assault and I love to cover it up. Is that good? No, sir. Right, let me get let me get through the re- let me get through the scene and I'll kick it to you. Lisa seems annoyed a bit over him. She says, "Okay, we're good. Hide the agenda, Lisa." Uh, Lisa says no agenda. Lisa, they are government. Uh, then, then we have, um, this is when they, they kind of step out of the room. We have Kendall who fires back at Lisa. They're government employees. How smart can they be? I just want to point out as someone who's been a government employee and now works, eh, it's kind of indirectly for the government. A lot of people who are very successful, very wealthy, make this mistake. They screw yeah. this up. They think these are government employees. They make 60 grand a year. I'm so much smarter than them. That this is still, I'm, like, I'm, I'm with the peasants, uh, specifically talking about Trump and Elizabeth Holmes right here. Both of them have really screwed this up where they thought that, like, these little, like, like you know, low level DOJ people were to be oh. just to completely ignore, oh. right? Yes. Yeah, we're both doing the hand flip, like, to be ignored. That's a real big mistake that people make. And I think Kendall's making it here. Lisa pulls him aside. She explains that Waystar is now cooperating, offering up a billion, that's a right billion with a B, pages of documents, getting an outside firm to come in, do a scrub. They're former DOJ folks. So it looks really legit. They're doing this thorough review, and they're also shaping up cruises. They're doing some changes on cruises. Kendall, what about the papers? She explains, well, once you pull everything out that falls under the jurisdiction of maritime law or is privileged or is outside the statute of limitations, uh, well, that stuff, uh, you know, it's kind of trouble. And then and then she fires back, well, that stuff that works for Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, it's inferential. Waystar was careful, Kendall. Mm-hmm. So you're saying the papers are bullshit. She says... I'm just saying it lacks some of the explosiveness it was suggested they might have. Kendall's a little taken aback. He tries to like shuffle a little bit. He says, well, you know, maybe I can shake some things up in the public arena. I can get some people to flip on dad. Uh -uh. Um, He says, then Kendall kind of gets angry and he's like, I'm not sure why this is happening. I have the quote unquote best lawyer in town. I have fucking receipts. She sort of cuts him off. Says, look, you're nervous about tomorrow. It happens. Let's get some sleep. Kendall before leaving says he values the work she does but let's try harder let's try harder i'm gonna go to you now tell me uh as a lawyer your thoughts about this scene and about specifically how kendall is acting as treating his attorney disastrous because he still doesn't seem to be able to mentally accept what his attorney is actually trying to do that he just sees the attorney and all of this just an extension of his pr pr machine of his marketing department What he doesn't seem to get is his attorney is actually more than a little bit concerned that, no, 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 sir, they're cleaning up shop, which leaves you. You could be left holding the bag here big time because you're the one with the documents in hand and you're the one that used to run the whole damn department. We need to make sure you're protected. We need to prep you for deposition because it's very possible that given the difficulty that would be going after Waystar when they're cleaning up their image, where they've got billions of documents, everything else... You are almost the low-hanging fruit at this point. It could be Tom, it could be Tom, Greg, and you that go down for this shit. And I don't think Kendall at any point has ever, ever gotten in his head that that's even possible. So nope. the idea that... Actually, I don't know this. Have you ever set for a deposition before? No. It's an incredibly nerve-wracking process for the first few times you do it. As an attorney or as a person that's being deposed, the pony. And having this kind of prep of asking you the questions you're going to be asked, preparing what your response is going to be, is a necessary part of not only just making sure you're comfortable with what occurs, but planning out everything that goes thereafter because your statements yep. are under oath and can be used against you at any point. So 
This is an incredibly necessary enterprise that Kendall gives jack shit about because he still doesn't understand what the nature of the game is, and I think he's getting way too late into it, really, to actually avoid what could be a disastrous outcome. I think a couple of things are going on from my perspective. Kendall is overconfident. Um, <laughs> no shit. Both in his own like position, but also like his own intellect. I also think Lisa's not quite the lawyer that we think she is, I, I, that we've been led to believe. I do think there's a kernel of truth. Like all things with Kendall, well, there's a kernel of truth in what he's saying. I don't think she's doing a particularly good job with what he needs her to do, which is the entire game. Like she comes over to him and she says, I thought this was an interesting back and forth. She says, we really don't want this to get political. And Kendall kind of shrugs and goes, everything's politics. <laughs> Excuse me. I, now, I do I think Kendall's right here? Like to want to overly politicize this and say everything is politics, sort of brush it off. No. But I also think she's wrong to suggest that there aren't already political pressures injected into this situation for Kendall. So I think she's also not doing a particular. I, I'm going to give her a B minus job right now. And I think that Kendall's all, also an idiot. There, there is there is that there, we have well, to remember. I, I, th I think the big kind of the focus there is she isn't the kind of attorney that Kendall wants. And I think yep. that's perfectly fair. He wants the in front of the press 24-7 yeah. attorney. She doesn't seem to be that from what we've seen of her so far. She's just an incredibly competent attorney and views her job as that job. And you can do whatever marketing shit you want to do so long as it doesn't interfere with my case. That's clearly not what Kendall wants, but she's probably what he needs for the problem she's focusing on solving. But Kendall's point, which I think is a good one, is the DOJ is run by a political appointee. Political pressures do work on the DOJ at times. It, we have a massive amount of history of this, of, of the, the political issues being injected in the DOJ and changing how they operate. I mean, fucking just look at what happened with the review of the emails of Hillary Clinton. Like that was the, sure. one of the more political things that's ever fucking happened in the DOJ. A sing, single comment was all it took. Yeah. And so it's like. I do think she's missing something here, but he is super dismissive of her. And that's going to be a real problem for him. But yeah. I think you nailed it. It's just not, it's not a good fit for these two. No, def de <laughs> definitely not. And it'll be very, uh, sorry, not, not to bear the, not to bear away the, the fact that he fires her by the end of this episode, it may yeah. serve, it may serve his marketing strategy. It may serve what he wants to accomplish politically, but I think she is right to try to instill in him serious concerns that, well, by starting that fight and by making this a big political fight, how much are you screwing yourself criminally? Because that's still that, that that iron is still in the fire and waiting to get pulled. I also feel like there's all there's a, it's always overly dramatic in these shows how this stuff is handled. Because isn't there isn't there a chance that what he really would have done is just get another lawyer on his team, like not fire Lisa or, or what, what's her name? D not Lisa. It is Lisa, Lisa right? isn't it? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Not fire Lisa, but just say, okay, well, I need another attorney for the public what? facing stuff, and just like it, expand his team. Like sometimes that but, happens too. But she was mean to him. And yeah, that can Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, 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 we could take that read that it's not just it's not just them it's not just the show making it overly dramatic. It's also Kendall just being like super sensitive. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Cut to Roman and Shiv. Guess what they're in, Spencer? Where are they, man? Private jet. Yeah, I didn't see. Oh no, really? Didn't last that didn't last very long, did it? They're in a private jet. Uh, Roman comments that he misses Logan's big boot. Matt Gunny could hear him coming. We see Logan laughing and showing something on his phone to Carrie. 
big through line of this episode, the Logan Carey relationship. This is getting way more shine than I thought it would. I thought I thought something would come of this. I didn't think it would be quite this uh, emphasized. Yeah, Roman yeah, I, suggests I got, that they are fucking. Go ahead. Yeah, I got, I got to ask you. From what we saw from uh, them, you know, look, her listing it on a call with the angry president and from now them sharing memes, at what point did you start to buy into Roman's theory that they fucking? I, uh, what, I'm on, I'm on Shiv's side here. You're still on um, Shiv's side. I, yeah, I think, I, I think, you know what I think it is? I think that some people look at the scoreboard, they see one zero. Some people see a guy hit a triple. I think it's a triple. That's what I think. Third base. Um, so Roman says, uh, showing memes to a young millennial, uh, showing memes to a young menial is what he said. Menial, uh, yeah. time. Shiv is skeptical. No, he hates the close proximity bang. Roman, he's still into blowjobs, I hear. Uh, Logan asks Roman to come in and look at his phone. So Logan's also showing the meme to his son. He's not just showing it to Carrie. It's also showing yeah, it to Roman. this is true. Roman, yeah. Roman does the same thing I do every time my parents show me a meme oh. on the internet. Oh, well played, internet. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a triple situation. That's what I think. I'm not, I'm not quite sure they're banging, but I think there's something going on there. I, we're we're going to discuss her eyes and Logan's response later in this episode. We'll unpack that then. Woo! Cut to Hugo giving general guidance for the weekend. They want to focus on anti-tech positions. Hard. It's from Logan. Mm. Regulate and strangulate. They are getting too powerful. Everyone knows it. But in a new friend at the top, it won't fire up justice about our uh, boring case. Um, or no, this is Hugo. I'm doing the Logan voice. This is Hugo. Yeah. Shiv then mentions that they want to be humble about the fact they accidentally knocked over the last president. Roman, who is in rare fucking form this episode, I will continue to talk about, says, boo-hoo, it's not our fault. The president's brain couldn't think good no more. <laughs> I, you know, it, I, I don't really understand Shiv's position here, that if they're going to a convention where they're deciding who the next president is, the fact that they offed the last one by just changing the media narrative... Isn't that something that come almost want to focus on just because it just leverages what their power is? Yeah, I think so. I would also like to point out, I mean, an obvious point. I'm going to probably repeat it, though, because it does frustrate me as I watch this episode. They keep saying we're choosing the next president. Oh, contraire, mon frere. You are choosing the next nominee for the Republican Party. They're I'm not so fucking sure that you're choosing the next president. There's a whole another 50% of the country with a whole lot of money. Uh, out there that's that's choosing their nominee too so i'm not quite sure he's making the president i think he's making the nominee who very well could be president but not necessarily they're very confident but let's hope like hell they're wrong given who they pick by the end of this episode yeah tell me about it um logan then offers i might have heard that the deputy ag has a picture of me on her dartboard which is disgusting ah disgusting oh and oh spencer had you have you heard this one uh sandy has syphilis did you hear that Oh, I did. I did. Where where did that come from again, though? Yeah, I don't know. I just heard it. Mm. Uh, Shiv, funny how these rumors get started. Then we see Mm -hmm. Greg texting Kendall like crazy. I've got the screenshot of the Kendall-Greg conversation. Oh, please. What we got? This is Greg's text. Not really a conversation as such. Yeah, it wasn't really a conversation. Greg text anything, question mark, the new text. Let me know if you're receiving these. Never Mm -hmm. a good sign. Mm -hmm. Another one. Hey, dude, hope you're good. Just checking in. Any update on the burning? And then Kendall, As, sorry, sorry, dude, still considering options, and that's it. The we had talked before about the Greg Kendall relationship being one for the ages. That just the new friendship that would just lead the show on. I'm disappointed. Kendall's got a new friend. Cut to huh. them getting off the airplane, and Shiv specifically asked to ride with Logan. Logan says, "Sure, Pinky, sure." And we get some nice. We had a great succession shot. Nice music playing as they travel in very sleek SUVs. 
Mm-hmm. Perfect, perfect success. As they do on the show. Succession, succession scene. Scene. Shiv asked them, uh, "Go up a t- temperature in the back, would you? Would you?" Uh, Logan seems very annoyed by this. He's like, "Are you okay?" Uh, and and she says, um, "You know, like I'm good, Dad. I'm good. Are you? Are you?" And finally, he snaps at her and says, "You're gonna be a fucking sourpuss." Uh, Shiv, uh, oh no, just the last time you, we talked, you humiliated me at the shareholder meeting. So I thought I could, you know, I don't know, check in. Logan blames it on it being a long day and him being unwell. You being Logan's number one cheerleader on this podcast and any any succession podcast. Are you buying this? Was it just that he was unwell and it was a long day? No, 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 no. He had br- of course he had, not. He, he had bruised pride and was offended that she was A, going around him and B, doing something when he was too incapacitated to do it. So, yeah, yeah. Notably, as always, he doesn't offer anything resembling an apology here. Shiv says she's concerned with who Logan might endorse over the weekend. She doesn't want the vice president, quote, nothing's more dangerous than a second-rate individual who sees his chance. I think that's pretty <laughs> astute. I think that's, yeah. that's pretty, that's true. Logan, I need to keep my spoon in the soup. What a good, good Logan expression is. there. Shiv, I don't think this is the place to let Roman take the lead. Logan says, well, he's growing. And Shiv fires back that he fucked up the phone call with the raisin. Pause. I didn't think he did. No, I don't think. I think he actually handled it rather well. I just don't. I thought he. Yeah, I don't understand why that's the narrative going out of that. The the president had already decided not to run. It wasn't like Roman convinced him of that. Well, I don't think it's a narrative for anybody by Shiv. I think Shiv wants to push this narrative because her brother, who is effectively her rival, got to talk with the president and handle that kind of big time thing while her dad was yelling at her. So I think she, in some ways, needs this to be the narrative. Otherwise, Roman's got a leg on her that she can't really catch up on. I think that's a great point. Um, the only solid thing he auctioned in L.A. Dad was the movie Doctor Honk about the man who could talk to cards. I'd give it an hour and a half. <laughs> the title alone—I mean, that's just that's sounds, quality marketing, right sounds there. That's okay to me. I don't know. Shiv, I'm just glad we still have a company to act on behalf of. Thanks to me, Logan. Uh, Carrie, uh, get Shiv a fucking medal. <laughs> this is the moment. This is the moment I wrote him up in my notes. Logan's back. Logan yeah. is 100% back this episode. We get peak Logan this episode. It's a lot of fun. I love yeah, when he's in this type of mood. You talked about you talked about at the start of the last episode that Logan was like, you know, 10, 15%, whatever else. This time, he seems like he's starting at about as strong as we've seen Logan before. It's at, like, at least not like 90%, right? He's, he's pretty yeah. peak. He's pretty peak. He's even having a good time with people, like kind of doing a little bit of a puppet mastery and just fucking oh, yeah. around with folks. It's, it's a good time. And then the crew arrives. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, what? We've commented on this before, but Shiv's biggest flaw or one of the biggest issues is, A, she constantly needs recognition, which is understandable from, from you know a psychological standpoint, but yep. she's so blunt about it. She's yeah. just so glowing lights. I want Hey, Dad, approval. would you please tell me I'm good at my job, please? Like, it's that fucking obvious. What? And, you know, Logan does not respond well to that. It's also, she's emphasizing something that she should know pisses Logan off. That yeah. I saved the company because, you know, unsaid, you were too incapacitated to do it. Wah, ha, ha. Yeah. Shiv, what are you doing? Very, very stupid. Um, and then the crew arrives at the meeting. This place is in Virginia, somewhere in Virginia. I'm guessing, mm-hmm. like, D.C. suburbs. Probably, yeah. Seems like a CPAC type of thing, except that it's not open to the public. It's just basically mm. like a, a, a big meeting of conservative leaders thought leaders potential candidates donors purposely secretive yeah shiv you can really smell the panic berlin bunker vibes a lot of hitler (laughs) references this episode a lot hitler getting a lot of shine in this in this succession episode godwin's law is just getting thrown away when it comes to shiv's commentary on this 
Roman, oh, Miss Lipdard, how do you feel like splunking in the elephant's asshole? Schiff says, I'm just an observer, Roman. Wait till the end of the weekend. We'll get our white cis males stank all over you. Uh, Roman just doesn't care. Like, this is the thing. Like, it's going to frustrate, like, people like you and I who, like, care about this stuff, who think politics is actually, like, consequential, and that it changes the course of our nation and our lives. We are going to be really fucking highly offended by Roman in this episode, but Roman's position is, it really kind of doesn't matter. That the gears of government sort of just work and run, and whoever's the president, it kind of fucking doesn't matter. Roman's position is, I run a television network. Who's going to be the best for ratings? That's Roman's position. He almost straight up says it later right, in the episode. But impli- you're 100% right. But implicit in that is that there, it's not consequential enough that it would bother my life one way or the right. other who's it, president. It, yeah, he's too, is is it purely because he thinks that it just doesn't matter, or he thinks that he's so above it all that this little guy can't really affect me too much? I'm not sure. It, you know, I think this probably column A and column B, right? He probably thinks like I'm untouchable, I'm super rich, but I also probably think he doesn't think that the president is a, as consequential of a decision uh, position as Shiv does. I think that's probably oh, uh, pretty pretty obvious. And you know, there might be a certain endorsement for that position if somebody like Roman gets a key gets a key part in picking who that guy's going to be. I I just fucking hope the Dems smash. That's what <laughs> in I In the show? Yeah, absolutely. I hope that's what they write in, is that they nominate this fucking asshole and that they all are talking about how they're the kingmaker and they're choosing the next president and he loses 55-45. That's what I hope. Cut to some <laughs> of the con heads talking to Connor. Mm-hmm. Well, Connor, you're a con head. Look at this team right here. Look Spencer's at this loyal a con followers. Head. Shiv then says, quote, is it just me or is it in a room full of Timothy McVeigh's does Connor suddenly look like a Roosevelt? Give Shiv credit. Funny line. Potential line of the episode. Yeah. Connor explains that Wyla didn't want to come, but duty calls. Just want to point out something about Wyla. Wyla doesn't want to do anything at all remotely related to uh, to, Con- to Connor this entire episode. I mean, she it seems as out on Connor as I've ever seen her. Yeah, it's kind of sad to see. Cause I, there's been times where I thought their relationship was actually kind of growing and kind of cute, but this time... It looks like it's really peeled back. What? Yeah, it's not a good place. It could just be a bad day, and she, she also really doesn't seem to appreciate being kind of auctioned off as a donor draw. She also just sucks at playwriting and doesn't can't get it through her head that she sucks at it. There's People that. have a dream, sir. It's hard to let that dream. I know. Die. As many neg- I know. Look, it, I'm a hypocrite. As many negative reviews as I get, I still am convinced I'm a world class podcaster. So I mean, who gives a fuck? Like, I mean, me and Wyla right there together. Connor explains that Wyla didn't want to come. Duty calls. It's her duty, I guess. Wyla comments that she can just write a play on her phone. I guess. I mean, you kind of could. I mean, you, you could. have like a. You've got like a, a semi-word processor with your notes app. I mean, you could do it, right? Yeah. Modern smartphones are impressive, but also let's consider what the success of your last play was. You could probably can write a sequel on your phone. Absolutely. You know what? You should write down. Hey, Wyla, write this down. No sand mites for your audience. There you go. Good start. Um, I mean, he's got like. Wyla needs to, to buckle up, all right? Because Connor does have, like, Connor is, is Connor the favorite in this group? Absolutely no. not. He's no. got loyal followers, though. But he's got some con heads there. And, like, people who are independently invited, which yeah. I thought was very interesting. One of the con heads asked him about how uh, him and Wyla met, and they both sort of, like, immediately stammer out online. Online. Pretty good that they settled on that, I guess. Then we get an introduction to the weekend titled The Future Freedom Summit. And everyone is asked to keep their attendance private. I would point that uh. out. I think that's pretty important. Who is, so the guy who's like seemingly the conference chair of this thing, I've seen him in a million things before. 
Who is this guy? Do you remember? Well, it's the Red Stapler guy from The Office, isn't it? Raw Space? Red Stapler guy, yeah. What's his name? Uh, I'm looking up the actor right now. Cool, thank you. Uh, he says, what we do here at the Future Freedom Summit is of the utmost importance to our party and our country. I happen to believe the next president of these United States is somewhere in this room. Connor, he is, and he's hard as a rock. And Wyla seems so put off by that comment. She seems very frustrated by Connor. Yeah. As you said, Wyla is ba- Wyla's purpose here is to provide a face, and she can't even just accept that right now we're gonna vote we're gonna vote on these candidates Ste- at the end Stephen of the root great actor Stephen he's in a lot of things. very very good actor and he does a great job with this he seemingly is like he seems to me to be like the chair of this conference like the guy heading the whole thing because yeah. he's kind of like he's matchmaking he's connecting people and whenever there needs to be like somebody who gets the crowd all together to say something it's always him he's emceeing one of the most important political conferences in america for 50 percent for 50%. There's still the Dems out there. There's still a whole other part of the country. Sure, uh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, th- those people. Yeah. Yeah. The fuck, fuck, donkey gang. Uh, Greg, Tom, Shiv, and Roman are standing around. Greg, some guy with an undercut just called me a soy boy. Tom, oh, don't worry, Greg. Wait. It's a nice, safe, safe place where you don't have to pretend to like Hamilton. That is what? a funny fucking line. What? Well, I like Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure you do. We all do. We all do. What when did a soy- line. When did Soy Boy become like the default attack by conservative circles on liberals? Because, man, is that all over the Internet now? I'm going to tell you this. The Internet insults, I tune out at a high degree. I, I'd never, I don't think I've I, I probably have heard it. I've never intaken the, the, the phrase Soy Boy. I, did, I have no idea what it means. Very or common on conservative forums. I just Internet insults. I just I let them go right by me. I don't care. Um, mm. Greg asks what this is, and Roman explains it's a political conference of like-minded donors and intellectuals. Tom, a.k.a. picking the next president, selecto mm. el presidento. Shiv, like me, is screaming, that's not how it works. Or at least she'd like it to not work that way. Roman, yeah, no, but sure, but yeah. 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 Greg, Greg asks if it's constitutional. Greg is so funny. Tom, oh, I don't know, Greg, you want to call a referee? Is there an ombudsman in the house? And as they cut... <laughs> You might not catch it if you weren't watching it on subtitles. Greg says, what's an ombudsman? <laughs> <laughs> At least he asked the question. The man's learning. He wants to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For all those who don't know, an ombudsman is a position that you hire in your company. Typically, it's somebody who doesn't have a history in the company to be like a sort of impartial. Right. Uh, the the neutral judge. Manager, a neutral judge of events that go on in your company. Yeah. Cut to Michelle Ann walking up to Hugo, Logan, Roman, and Shiv. Oh, there they are, the family that lost us a presidency. Honestly, I was expecting her to be throwing a little bit more fire their way. She really is just treating it as background now. Is that that political game is done. We're on to the next phase. Yeah, but what frustrates me is that, like, he's serving out his term. So it's not like he, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't, if you say you lost me a presidency, I would expect the person had to step down. He's serving out his term. So all they did is lose you a candidate. It's the lame duck principle that once there's an end date in sight, no one's willing to deal with you because what's the political value of it? Which is why Biden's not telling everybody he's not running for president again, right? Very exactly. possible, yes. Yeah, that that it is true. Logan asked how the raisin is. Quote, he's out of a job in six months, lame in the interim, and the GOP is in flames. Logan says, well, he has a serious medical condition, and we felt the oh. country needed to know. Indeed. Mm. He's like being grandfatherly. I just thought that I was... Do this public service to the citizens of these United States. Michelle explains that they are deep in the primary cycle and they have no candidate. Super Tuesday is gone and the ballots have already been printed. 
This is Over fucked. There. This is actually more this fucked than I thought they were. So, in essence, what here's what I'm piecing together occurred. You tell me if it's what your impression was as well. The president was going to run again for yeah. re-election. And so he's yeah. on all the ballots. He probably won Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, all of them. And they did not have enough time when he decided when he finally decided I'm not running again to have a proper primary because they were too deep in the cycle. And now basically they have to kick it to the RNC. Now basically Which, it's like we're just going to have to choose somebody and the delegates are going to have to go because all of the primaries have come and gone. And basically everybody voted for the president who's not running again. We, which you, you're, you've you done you've done your share of work in politics. Would you agree that a floor vote at a convention is everybody's nightmare for how a party nominee is actually picked just due to the utterly chaotic nature of how it could go? I honestly think it's great. I think you, I think we've had some great. <laughs> I do, if you look at the history of America, I'll rephrase. Would you agree that insiders are scared to death of actually going to that kind of scenario? Well, let me finish. Like, so yeah. I, I honestly think it's great because I think if you look at the history of America, we've chosen some great people through four through, through floor votes an actual republic right like where the, the you you have like these appointed folks who go in and then they choose a nominee like i think that system worked pretty well i think now though our country has an expectation of direct democracy they expect like th Fair, this is yeah. what we got during during a couple of the really contentious democratic primaries right like in 08 with hillary clinton and barack obama like they barack obama did not finish with enough delegates to secure the nomination he needed yep. the superdelegates to push him over. But there was an expectation because he had more earned pledge delegates that he would all, he would necessarily get it. So our whole society does not have an expectation that these floor votes will actually pick a president. They think their primary votes pick the, the nominee or the next president, right? So I think in that respect, it is absolutely the worst case scenario because whoever they pick, the people are going to go, oh, it's just some insider guy. We him. didn't pick that person. It's not truly vetted. They won't see them as like a, a really earned nominee, if you get my point. Right. And the point I was kind of throwing in on that is that the people that are actually, you know, in charge of the party and the, the, the insiders that are running it or even the nominees are desperately afraid of direct democracy and would like to avoid it as much as possible. They'd much more have this arranged and organized in advance to have any, to avoid anything resembling surprises because surprises to politics can be either glorious or disastrous and usually leaning towards one of those which is why this is how the gop got trump right they surely didn't expect him to win the primaries um mm. they would have probably preferred a floor vote so they agree that dave boyer the vice president so we're gonna have to remember the names of some of these candidates because it yeah. becomes important so one of the one of the candidates is dave boyer he's the vice president he's the cleanest option easiest option other side of the pillow spencer easy easy peasy yeah, he's already the VP. It's an easy enough transition that, you know, he's already been, he's basically already in the yeah, house. Yeah, absolutely. Michelle Ann explains that he, Logan, started this mess and he can help us clean it up. Mm. Notice when he's saying this, Roman is making a face like this bitch. Like he is so over Michelle. Um, <laughs> Roman calls him, him being the vice president, an old blow horse or a plow horse, I guess. Yes. Old plow horse, basically like, basically he's a, a mule. He's a worker. Yeah. Cut the Tom talking, and they're saying the VP might be a vegetarian. And in a room full of conservatives, this is a this is yeah, scandalous se business. This is secret, secret herbivore is apparently a major sin in this community. You don't want to with all those all those meat cattle farmers that you have out in the in the Midwest. You'll you'll lose Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, the whole crowd. It's the same thing with the soy boy thing. Masculinity is king, and the idea that you don't eat meat, dear lord, where's your balls? Yeah, absolutely. Shout out Yellowstone. You watch that show, Yellowstone? I've had it been recommended by several people now. Still have not. Yeah, it's kind of... 
There's that that fucking dynamic is super in play in that show. Hmm. A guy named oh we also get this thing that and I man this would probably cause me to vote against this guy. The lick lipping. What's the deal with the lick lipping? There is way too much Ugh. lick lipping this episode for many characters. Like when Rome, Roman and Shiv are discussing blowing their father and Roman licks his lips to then go over and read memes. Uncomfortable. And this guy's lick lipping. Can you imagine how that would play on, you know, the Daily Show or everything else after a debate if he's just constantly doing that massive horse lick lipping? Absolutely. Like, this would be, I'll tell you what would happen in real life. They'd nominate this guy. And then you'd have, like, Larry David would be like at lunch at some fancy bistro in California with Jeff Garland. And he's like, what? You see the lick lipping? The lick lipping. What's the, yeah. what's the deal with the, you see this guy? What's the deal with this guy? Oh, I don't understand the lick lipping. I don't understand. Could you tell a bit about you not a curve? Yeah. It writes itself though. It's pretty gross. Uh, a guy named Glenn congratulates Roman for the wedding. Roman's like, what? Roman? Wedding? He's like, yeah, your mother. Nah, not my mother. No, you're, you're confused. No, your mother's Caroline Collingwood, right? Yeah, yeah, but that, that's not it. Okay, why don't you why don't you check right here, Ruby? Check on my phone. He pulls up the phone, pulls up the invitation. Lo and behold, Caroline Collingwood getting married did not tell a single one of her children. And not Rory, either. Not nope. only is she getting married, it's to someone completely different than they thought she was in a relationship with. That seat sniffer! Uh, <laughs> Roman asks the guy to forward it to him, and he takes off to tell Shiv. Shiv didn't know either. Uh, Roman explains that Glenn, the Brexit pervert, sent it to him. Uh, funny, funny way to describe that guy. He's like the one British guy we get in the whole thing. Yeah. Apparently their mother is car- marrying a guy named Peter Munyon. Mm-hmm. Roman then says they should call the firstborn about this. Cut to a conversation with Kendall. So they call Kendall. I love that Kendall still answers his phone for Roman, though. It's good that they still have that line. I know everything is super stressed right now, but at least he can still call him. Mm-hmm. So that's one positive. Roman says, I'm here with Shiv. Just wanted to let you know our new dad just dropped. <laughs> so <laughs> just got that at midnight. <laughs> Came out on the gram. New dad just it, dropping. It, it's interesting how shocked all three of them are. <laughs> You'd think, you know, them knowing their mother, knowing the estranged relationship they have with her, this wouldn't come as too much of a surprise. But apparently this is still a line too far. Absolutely. Ken, Ken seems confused. Shibs asks if he knew, and Roman says, of course he didn't know. Ken bores the shit out of mom, which is kind of a tough burn because it did seem like his mom did not really like him too yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Kendall's still confused. Ask about Rory, but no, it's not him, Kendall. Hey, Shiv, is it true you're at the hate fest, fest burning books and measuring skulls down in Nuremberg, Virginia? <laughs> yeah. Ding. Like, we can ding every time we get a, a Nazi yeah, reference. We'll get Shiv, a few. What are you doing with your weekend? Planning to send us all to jail? Your favorite? Roman cuts it off, cuts the bickering off, says, look, I just wanted to let you know, mommy still doesn't love you. Bye, Ken. Bye, bye, bye. Perfect sense. So Kendall's, Kendall's surprised by this, but he kind of takes it in stride. I don't think it really bugs him. I think the only child, the only family member that we see in the whole Roy clan that is truly bothered by this is Roman. Why? Because Roman actually cares about his family. We've talked about this over and over again. Is he like out in front, Mr. Rogers, wearing the sweater, wanting to hug everybody and tell him it's okay? Ooh, of course he's not. No, no. thank God. But no. he makes it perfectly clear through his actions and his internal monologue, which we get a lot of, that he does still care about his family. And you can yeah. tell in this episode, this bugs the shit out of him, that his mom's getting married and it didn't tell well, him. This bothers it, him. I, I think it also bugs him that nobody else cares. That Shiv immediately <laughs> weaponizes does. it, the dad laughs it off, and to and to Kendall, he just kind of has other things to worry about. Yeah, it, it is crazy can you imagine your mom's getting married and doesn't tell you like i mean that's so beyond yeah. the pale of my not, experience with the family not, I don't not just your mom's getting mad mar- married your mom broke up with the guy she'd been with for years didn't yeah. tell you that got with somebody else and is now getting marrying married. that guy there's a process here 
it's something else. Kendall, um, uh, no, cut to Greg and Tom. He says, Greg says uh, he wants to broach something with Tom. Explains that Ken is saying he might burn him. Tom looks concerned by this. Are you threatening me? You can't threaten me. I'm immune. <laughs> Craig, no, no, no. Calm down. Calm what? Down. I'm just thinking about it like advice. I'm obsessing about the prison of it all. Mm. Greg says it's constant. Can't get it off his mom, mind. Tom totally understands that. They are right on a par with each other here. Tom says, I tried not thinking about it. It doesn't work. Quote, what I'm preferring is to always think about it. Then when you don't for a moment, it's like, ooh, someone's loosened their icy grip on my innards. Hard not to feel a little bad for Tom here. Just a little? Dear God, man. You're, you're, you're building on a scenario that lack of pain is now a positive just because of how shit your life is. Yeah, Tom's in a bad space. Cut the Tom opening up wines from there. He, Tom had one thing he's looking forward to. One fucking thing. This whole weekend, he's looking forward to. Spot One bright spot is he has a vineyard. Him and Shiv have a vineyard, and mm. they're getting their first wines from that vineyard, and he is super excited. And look, oh, twist talked top. about this on the talked this on the podcast before. I'm not a drinker anymore, but I do understand that like that would be a really big deal. Like, if oh, you yeah. own a vineyard and you're getting it in for the first time, like your wine, like it's amazing to me that Shiv's not a little bit more. Well, it's not really knowing Shiv, but like she should be a little bit more engaged in this, right? You, you would think that he, this would be enough to garner Shiv's attention at least a little bit. But I guess this is mostly just Tom's project. But yeah, fully yeah. there with you. If I had a vineyard and this is my first bottle, set of bottles coming in, I'd be inviting friends. It'd be a thing. Of course it would. Yeah. And uh, he explains it's, it's nice that they're getting their, their own bottle. Oh, spat per screw, screw, screw top. Screw top. Mm, okay, mm. interesting. He explains it's biodynamic. It apparently has a funk to it. Hmm. He drinks it. He says, you kind of have to meet it halfway, right? That's not a good, not good. a good note. Not, not good tasting notes for the wine. Uh, earthy. Very, very earthy. Um, not, not floral. Not floral. Yeah, I went to a, this is years ago. I went to a vineyard here in the Triangle that is just some guy who runs out on his own farm. And God bless him. He, it's a big operation. He runs, I'm not going to say the name. He runs his own thing and it, he works so hard in this vineyard and I tasted the wine and it was almost beat for beat exactly like this. I was like, God, it smells like I'm eating dirt or it tastes like I'm eating dirt. Like, yeah, it just says and every single wine had the same funk yeah. to it. And that's what they're describing here. Tom's calls it agricultural. He calls it <laughs> agricultural, but I, I, if you want to talk about scenes that maybe feel bad for Tom, like you said, this is clearly something that means a lot to him and that he's invested a lot in. And this may be like one of his like last lifelines to, at least I made this and at least it's good. Watching his face fall as he's desperately describing, trying to find some positive word to describe his wine is rough. He eventually really even hard. ends on, it's not very nice, is it? Like, oh, Tom, nice. I'm sorry. Is it the wine, Shiv? It's not very nice, is it? The wine. Yeah, mm. it's tough. Uh, Tom then says, it looks like the upstate prison he was looking at might be full. This is the Jewish prison. Oh, no Tom, kosher no, no kosher vending machines. No kosher vending machines. Tom doesn't like the next bottle. Shiv, quote, you're tired. You'll feel better about it in the morning. I'm going to say this right now. I've said it many times in the podcast, but this is a, this is top tier Shiv being the worst. She's uh, awful yeah. in this conversation. The, awful. The, this is just one of those things, Ben, of where you, if you were going to prison or if I was going to prison, I would kind of hope and expect that you'd offer significantly more emotional support than Shiv can do. And... I can we're just friends. Just, we're just buddies. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah. Can you imagine? Like, uh, you're magnified in a relationship. And he's going to jail in part for her fucking family. So it's yeah. not just that, like, the. He's the, holding the, the bag for you. 
It's unbelievable how awful she is about this. Tom, oh yeah, one day closer to my incarceration, right? Tom starts talking about the bland food in jail, and this is what we're talking about. Shiv cuts him off, says, I don't understand why you keep talking about it. He says, he's, obs he's obsessing. She can't keep going round and round with him. Tom gets quiet like a beat dog, like he always does whenever Shiv lashes out at him. He never pushes back when she's angry. That's a trend we've seen for three straight seasons. Shiv finally says, look, I don't know what else, there is, what else there is to say about it. She gets up. She says she's sorry. She sits on his lap. She kisses him. Like she, the only she thing turns, she knows. Yeah. She yeah. turns to sex as her one form of emotional yes. support. That's all she knows. The That's the thing, only, only arrow thing. she has. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was just getting it out of my mouth. It's the only thing she knows to do to comfort him is sex. Because why? Shiv's not a human being. So she doesn't connect with people. Can, can you picture more of a time that a guy wouldn't be in the mood right now? But Shiv, just read the fucking tea leaves here. Not only is he talking about going to prison and, you know, preparing himself for inedible food, but the wine that he invested so much in is actually shit. The guy's not in the mood for you right now. Yeah, I've never had prison food, but I have had like I've been in like institutions where there are like institutionalized food like this, like like big, you know, like very cheap cafeterias where government workers are making your food. I've been I've been in this before. I'll tell you about here's here's what I'll say about the food. It's as close as I can get to like a prison food review. Is generally, generally the problem is cooked days ago. Mm. That's a pro that's and sure. no, yeah, not enough yeah. and not enough salt. That's generally right. it. So so the food you had. How many steps above camel's labia to use the term the show gives us to describe prison food? Yeah, it's above, yeah definitely above that. It's but it's it's salt. It's, it's salt is necessary. Like I think if I yeah. got sent to prison, I think one of the first things I'd do is try smuggle to salt to in. Smuggle salt in to have yeah. salt because I think that's a big problem. So she starts to unbutton his shirt. Tom finally just says no. I don't I don't want to do it. He this but he does hit her. He doesn't just say no. He punches at her. He says, there's not really any point. Yeah, you're still in contraception. It's like throwing so much cake batter at a brick wall. Only Tom. Tom. Only oh, Tom. Tom. Every time I start to feel bad for this guy, he just demonstrates his Tomness to the most extreme degree. Cake batter at a brick wall. That's a, that is peak Tom. Mm. Uh, cut to the guy leading the conference. You said his name earlier. Uh, with Wyla and Connor, she explains she's not all interested in being a commercial playwright. Connor, the audience helped you discover that, right, babe? <laughs> Funny, but Whoa. open wound, Connor. Jesus. Whoa. The conference chair is flirting extremely hard with her this time. Typical, typical old guy white stuff, I'll tell you. I grew up in a smaller town. But my dad ran in the circles of the more elite people in the town. Like the, mm -hmm. and I'm not talking, like, I mean, I'm talking like the people who own like your insurance branch or the car yeah, dealership. Yeah. You know, these are the people with money. In the who's town. who? Absolutely. And this type of conversation, this sort of like old man flirting like openly with another man's like either Wife spouse in front or of him. girlfriend or whatever. I saw this shit a lot and it, yeah. it this is like yeah. beat for beat how this happens because then there's always the interplay of the husband jumping in and being like, I don't know, Tom, blah, blah, blah. And then the guy being like, I don't know, man, maybe I'll invite you, but I might, uh, yeah, you all should come to the beach with me for a weekend, but I might not invite you. Hardy, hard, hard. <laughs> that joke has been told 4 billion times in country clubs across this country. I, it's a weird thing. I've seen many times. I've, as you said, it's a fixture. You participate in it regularly. Yeah. Just Fuck off. <laughs> but uh, it seems almost like in these uh, you know, country club -like communities, it's this weird form of flattery. Oh, you got a good one. Because I would hit on her too. It's a yeah. really weird kind of process. 
it's strange that yeah they will they will openly hit on your wife right in front of you and it's somehow meant to be like a positive and, and connor of course doesn't seem too upset about this although he does jump in a couple times mm. uh, finally this guy invites him to pound ridge ready for the middle school joke i mean you got it you got it teed up pound pound ridge go uh, it was just what, swing fire away it was, it, it was just one of those things that where i almost just assumed that he was purposely just making a middle school joke that you know he's taking her to pound town pound, just because pound town it's unbelievable yeah. pound ridge connor says well we'd like it and while jokes you might not be invited anyway that's stupid fucking back and forth that we get all the time he leaves and while is like look you don't leave me with these fucking guys again all right Connor then tries to calm her down and says, like, we're just showing a little leg. And she's like, I'm not really into it. I'm not, I'm well, not trying to do that. I'm going to offer a little bit of defense a while here because I was a little bit frustrated with the initial part. This suggests uh, that she is actually playing the game a little bit for Connor. She did. She did. A little half. It was about 25% she did. Which yeah. uh, I'm also right there with you. I wouldn't particularly like to be optioned as a pound of flesh for these people, but she's at least willing to put on a smile for it. I don't know. I mean... It's what, did you ex- what does she expect? Like, I, that's my problem. What do you expect with this relationship with Connor? Like, you expect I, I don't him to know. buy like a, I don't know, like a, like a, a apple orchard and you sit on like a fucking porch and, and just, you know, go to your Baptist church every Sunday. That's not the life you're going to have. You're marrying a Roy. Like, what do you expect? Well, yeah, you're marrying a Connor. That's, it's a certain category of Roy. The guy had Auschwitz and was very, not Auschwitz. What was the name? Austerlitz. Austerlitz, yeah. He was very fond of it. Cut to Minkin. Mankin is the next candidate we have in the arena. Mankin. Mm, we don't know what his, his professional job is or anything. We just know that, um, you know, he's he's out there in the political zeitgeist. He, he comes up to Roman. He's a personality. Absolutely. Comes, comes up to Roman at the bar. Roman calls him the ghost pepper, the spicy new flavor. Minkin asks Roman what his deal is. Most people there are trying to fuck or kill him. Roman says, I find it hard to care about politics. Here's, And then Minkin fires back. Here's my party trick. Tell me who your enemy is and I'll tell you who you are. The douche chill, like, that just mm. went through my body down to my toes. It was almost like mm. I got shot by a lightning. It was <laughs> awful. Figured that. Oh. Yeah. Terrible. We, we've only just begun. Keep going, yeah. sir. I know, but Roman goes, eh, put a pin in that one. He just completely ignores it. Yeah. He goes on to talk about his poll numbers, which are apparently pretty good. So he's mm. a bit of a dark horse. Um, then we get from Minkin a joke, not joke, unsure what this is. They better buy it or I'll send them to the gulag. Not like worker <laughs> camps, like summer camps. Summer camps with no beatings. Roman, no, oh, no, this no, is no fun. A couple of cool guys having some disgusting fun. Uh, <laughs> Minkin then asks if they know who takes over when Logan, quote, Admiral Gropeboat steps aside. I like that name. Admiral. Yeah, that's good. Roman says, well, it's not happening. Minkin, Minkin last. That's the line. Stick to the line. And I think what? that what we're meant to take away from this discussion is that there is a concern about fascism from Minkin, which we get over and over. And that also Roman's intrigued by him. What's really interesting here is that we've have, would you it's say in fairness, we basically have four candidates, three really, because there's, Con, there's three and there's Connor. And each one of those three approaches a different person within the Roy yep. family to be their kind of agent. One approach yes. Shiv. We'll get them in a minute. Our vice president approaches Logan directly. Logan directly, mistake. yeah. And then this guy goes for Roman. And I think this guy read it better about, well, who's who's the guy to focus on here? Absolutely. And it, and it just is a good pairing, right? Because like what, yeah. they, like Minkin would not have appealed to Logan or Shiv in the same way he does Roman. So it was a good pairing. Not, not directly, cut, yet. yeah. Yeah, cut to Tom laying awake in the middle of the night. He calls Greg. Greg answers. What a bro. 
what a friends. bro. What wonderful what a friends. friend to answer yeah. the call at like three o'clock in the morning to go to an all night diner. <laughs> To go to a diner because he can't sleep. That's that's the old that's peak friend right there. It's like I can't. Hey bud, what are you doing? Sleeping? I can't mm. sleep. You want to get some food? Sure. Like that's yeah. real friendship right there. Yeah. Greg has a tracksuit on. Greg has a tracksuit on. Our audience doesn't know this. I basically wear nothing but tracksuits in my life. I work from home. I like. I wear so- athleisure one hundred percent of the time. So shout out to Greg for this. This is your outfit that Greg is wearing right now. Really, you know, you're paying you dividends for this kind of marketing. Yep, I just wear black tracksuits all the time. That's that's my that's my uniform. Tom explains that this is what the food's going to be like inside. So this is why I asked him to go to the diner. He's practicing. Mm. Tom asked Greg about his omelet. Greg, it's not. Well, I'm making some inroads. Very weak. Tom, it's like <laughs> Afghanistan. You have to establish a base of operations, and then you move to gain more territory. I got to mm. tell you, all time Tom episode. This you might be the best Tom high. episode. Got a rank high. He's real good. There's so many gems he throws out. This is a good one here. I, t- Tom being a greater focus of the show is something I'm always in for, and they are dialing it up hard of the last few episodes. My wife made the same point. She's like, we were watching this, and she was like, you know, their fo- I th- her her theory was maybe they're starting to understand what they have with this actor because he's oh, probably the maybe, best yeah. one they have, other than other than possibly Brian Cox. Like it's maybe maybe one and two. Hmm. Uh, Greg says he's happy. He called. I'm happy you called, Tom. He explains that because of his height, he's worried he'll be a target for all kinds of misadventure in jail. Oh, Greg. It's so beautifully put. All kinds of misadventure. Yeah, it's funny. Tom blows by that threat, explains that it won't taste, uh, the food won't taste as good as this, okay? It's going to be like this, but it's not as good. You have to take 30 to 50% off the flavor. And what mm. I'm saying is take 30 to 50% of the salt out of the food, and that is probably what you have. Yeah. Greg says he worries that they'll whip his ass, wipe their ass on pillowcases. They wipe their I ass know. on pillowcases. I know, Greg. I read the prison blogs, too. Greg says, you know how they're calling you that name around the office? The Christmas tree. This is a tough one. This is a no Tom, one. what's good is to eradicate all hope. They can't get to you if you got no hope. Jesus Christ, man. Please, someone give this guy a hug. Greg goes on to explain that they call him the Christmas tree because if you have a crime, you need to unload it. Can hang it right on him. You ever heard this term before? The Christmas tree? You just hang, hang a, what you want on him? This is a new one that I'm going to use. This show gives me so many wonderful lines to repeat. Absolutely. Tom, I haven't really slept properly in eight days. They're, they're kind of talking past each other in this conversation yeah. at this point. What, Greg, admit, Greg admits it's not a nice name, but he was wondering, wondering, maybe, could you, maybe, could I hang an ornament? What? No, no, no. The way he says it is. Is it possible you might with me? And the internet has had a field day with this. Apparently, oh, like the sex stuff? There are a lot of Tom Gregg shippers in the, in the succession community. Apparently it's one of the most popular ships when it comes to this show. And they are eating this line and this moment and the little glances the actors exchange alive. Would you, with me? That's what, yeah, well, I mean, that's, I'm glad people are having fun with it, but that's not what they meant. What they meant was, and I can, know. I, can I hang my shit on you? Shipping has never cared about what the show actually means. That's not how it works. Tom, are you asking if you can hook your bobble or corporate wrongdoing on one of my branches, Greg? Greg stutters and Tom says, fine. Okay, load me up, you piece of shit. Greg wonders if this is a quick quid pro quo, but it is in fact not. This is it's, just Tom saying, sure. Yeah, whatever whatever crime you committed, just say I did it. I'll just say I did it. It's fine. It's kind of like uh, from the, if you've watched The Wire, 
I don't know if I remember when Weebay Weebay got uh, arrested. He ate all the murders. And he just kept saying, yeah, well, if you get me like a coleslaw. half rack of ribs and some coleslaw and a tea, yeah. I'll tell you about these other five murders. No, no, no. no. He just took all of them. No, he wanted, he wanted potato salad. They didn't have it. It was very disappointed about the all being cold and coleslaw. But yeah, he was protecting the Barksdale organization by taking all the murders. And he knew he, he knew he knew one was on him. Like basically there was a threshold for Weebay. It was. Yeah. I'm busted on this one. I know I'm going to be in prison for life. So let's just take them all now. There's no reason not to. And that's kind of, weirdly enough, the mentality that Tom has, which is I know I'm going to prison for some of this stuff, so why don't I just take it all? Again, they're honestly one of the best friendships on this show. And it's this is this is Tom, A, just reading that, you know, what else does it matter to me? And also just being a good friend and trying to protect Greg the way he's done several times in the past in his weird Tommy way. And I'll tell you this, I don't think he, Tom would agree to it if Greg didn't answer his phone call in the middle of the night and go to the diner with him. I Nobody else was, would. Was, yeah, exactly. It's, just, it's, just, it's as simple as that. What would it take for Shiv to go to an all-night diner with him at 3 a.m. to have this kind of talk? Logan would have to want to go. Logan would have to want to go, and it would be for announcing her as CEO. Not even just normally. It would have to be for some guaranteed terms. Yeah, whatever whatever thing Shiv doesn't want to do, she'll do if her dad tells her to. Because mm. ultimately, that's who she loves the most. Um, Tom, uh, Greg says, that's incredibly nice of you. Can I get this? Can I, can I get this meal here? Tom, no, Greenpeace stole your inheritance. Besides, all my meals will be free soon. <laughs> uh, I, I honestly thought Greenpeace would just be an offline the last episode. No, but no it's, uh -uh. it's very relevant. Absolutely. They're going with it. Yeah, Greenpeace stole your inheritance. Cuts a kindle in a car with Lisa. We get the end of his deposition. They ask him if there is any illegal activity that occurred. They have it covered. Kendall says no, and they release him. Kendall walks out. Lisa says, you did fine. It was a good start. And there will be another session. Kendall snaps and says, it's okay. You can tell me it didn't go well. Lisa's basically doing everything she can here to get him to be quiet and move down the yep, hallway. But Kendall not is not having in it. the building. Attorney Clive privilege doesn't it. apply if they can overhear it. The interviewers are right there. And Kendall yeah. insists on standing there and having that conversation. Kendall starts pitching a fit about how they were looking for cracks in his story instead of asking about his father. Lisa, they don't do cuddles. Basically, they're not going to like get you in here and say, well, you know, we like you, so you don't get any hard questions. That's not how it works. Then Kendall opens up his stance so that the conversation is now more open to the interviewers that are behind them. He actually like literally turns his shoulders as he's talking. Uh, I'm talking to my attorney now. Yeah, he's practically shouting projecting yeah, at says, them i understand how this works logan's given them nothing he's given them these little pellets this little chicken feed compliance bullshit string them along meanwhile five years goes by and it's hey whatever happened to the big investigation into the bad people lisa's like you have got to be quiet shut you up a bitch. you have got to be quiet she's getting very frustrated with him ken then yells that they are scared of his dad and their chicken shit lisa seems really taken aback by that um they start to move and kendall leans over and says i should put a rocket under their asses Oh God! What would you do if you had a, an, a client that did this exact move with you after a deposition? Tell me. I, I would like to hope that if I was Lisa, I would have predicted a little bit more what Ken is and maybe not agreed to represent him in the first place because this is perfectly fucking predictable. This is what Ken runs on. Um, but if I was in this moment with Lisa, I would do everything in my power to not engage him right there and just get him out of the building the same way that she does. And I don't know how much more I could have done than her on it because Kendall is on a fucking war path of his own destruction. Yep. They turn the corner and Lisa says, you do not want this. This is the part I've talked about before. 
Lisa says you do not want this to get politicized, which again, I think personally, Lee talking here is kind of a dumb statement. And Kendall says, everything is politics. And then Lisa says, Kendall, do you think you're smarter than me? Kendall stammers a little bit, finally says no, because he obviously thinks he does. Lisa, because you might be, you might be, but I'm a better lawyer. You acted high-handed and defensive and then oscillated to wildly over-familiar and glib. You sometimes undermined my status and didn't appear to be frank about your own involvement. But let's take stock, okay? Kendall shoots her a look like, you're done. You just murdered my dog. Yeah. Fuck you. And she's right. She, the way It's so interesting. The way she described him, high-handed and defensive, oscillating to wildly familiar and glib, he does this everywhere all the time. He did this with yeah. the shareholder two episodes ago. This is um, so a, yeah, I mean, this is this is probably a very very good read on Kindle here. This is how Kindle starts every conversation in season three. Sometimes you can work through it. Sometimes you can get through this doucheness to actually get to a kernel of wisdom. But it takes time, and he clearly didn't ever get there when it came to this deposition. And yeah, I mean, it's a perfect read on him, and it's a perfect summary of what she views her job is and the problems with what he's doing with respect to it. And as you've noted, those two just don't square. Her objective is to keep him out of prison. For him, that's just a background assumption, and she's not doing the full job that he wants. I think her worries have some merit, though. I, I and I'm, I'm, I think I think there's a couple things going on here. Three, three. I'm gonna say three things are going on here. You ready for them? Yeah. One is you don't like Kim. Two I don't, is I, I want to. I want to. I'm disappointed. Yeah, but in. you don't. You really don't. Now you're at right a point now. where no, you no, really no. dislike him. Two, it's your natural personality to be a little bit more conservative in these types of situations. And three, yeah. it's your profession. So all of these things working together, I think, ter- like push you toward like the sort of like Lisa perspective of like, you need to like calm down one step at a time, get you out of prison. Like, let's It's a work. very fair read. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas I do think they're like, I'm not saying he's right at all, at all. But there's a kernel of truth that she's missing some other dynamics at play here with the DOJ. And I'll tell you who's not missing that. Logan and his lawyers. They're not missing that. And they'll play the political game all day long. And if I, I, I actually understand why Ken would be frustrated because he knows his side is playing the politics of it and his lawyer's saying, let's not politicize this. I'll also throw in an option number four here, which we're going to see here in a later scene. I don't, I have no confidence in Ken's ability to play politics. Sure. And that's also factoring into what I'm looking at this too, is that he keeps wanting to play a game that I have no background to say that he's good at. Fair, fair. But uh, I, all of uh, all of your criticisms of Ken are fair, but I, I, I do think that Lisa's missing part of this. I, I don't think she's the right lawyer for this situation. She right, might right be... Right lawyer for him. <laughs> well, she might be, the like I mentioned before, she might be like the right lawyer as part of a team, but you do need someone looking at the political side of this in, in a way that she's seemingly not willing to do. And she made it clear she's not willing to do from Jump Street. Cut to mm-hmm. Logan walking and Carrie is with him and they're just a giggling. Oh, something was so funny. Cute. Did you see that meme? I saw that meme. That was a funny uh-huh. meme. Ha 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 ha. And then the vice president walks out. Vice president of the United States just steps right in, in the, hall. the hallway. <laughs> yep, just steps right in front. Dave says, look, they're calling this the ATN primary. Logan, oh, I wouldn't worry about that. Uh, <gasps> vice president, I can sometimes fear a degree of legal overreach against you legacy media guys. Boy, the olive branch. How big is this olive branch? It's a tree trunk. I mean, from That's his perspective. F-350. Well, from his perspective, it's colossal. From Logan's perspective, it is the bare minimum, and he's not impressed. Logan then says, you know, I heard the deputy AG has a dartboard with my face on it. Dave's he's like, testing. He's testing. He's like, I think that's just a rumor. Carrie jumps in. 
We've got a different Carrie now. She's empowered. This is, this is, this is Carrie putting on her Marsha hat. Yeah, she jumps in and says, even if it isn't real, if there's, you know, there's, there's a, reason a reason it feels like it is, right? Dave's like, uh, I don't have to do that. He then pushes Logan like, I just need you to push me over the brink here. Logan, great, I get it. See you at dinner. Logan, Logan does so many great non-answers, and I am going to put them in my bank. I'm going to start doing the non-answers. There's another great one that he does later, but this is a good one, right? Where it's like, hey, Spencer, look. Look, here's the deal. All right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Our podcasts are right on that edge, all right? I just need you yeah, to commit yeah, about yeah. five more hours every week to the pods to make sure that we can bump up, we'll get all that advertiser money. It's going to be great. I think that's a wonderful idea. Let's talk about it some more later. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's like, ah, yeah, I get it. The non-answer, Logan, brilliant. He's the what? Picasso of the non-answer. And it seems like Logan's key test for the VP is what degree are you willing to to uh, politicize the Justice Department? What degree can I what degree can I get you to control what Justice Department does with respect to me? And the VP, to his credit, also fuck tech. Also, fuck, what will you do VP, to fuck tech? VP's okay on that. That's a broader issue. It's a public benefit. VP seems very uncomfortable with the idea, though, of directly politicizing the AG and the Department of Justice for the purpose of aiding uh, of, aid, of aiding ATN. Really yeah. doesn't seem want to cross that line. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a, it's a line that some presidents have crossed, uh, but most try not to. Mm. <laughs> um, Logan, as he's walking away, turns to Carrie. I think he's been waiting there for me for the last 10 fucking minutes. And then they laugh about how pathetic the vice president of the United States is. Loud enough to intentionally have him over here, which, Jesus. Cut to Kendall, and he comes into his living room. He tells Comfrey, Lisa's out! Bye, Lisa! <laughs> See us and I late them. Thank you for your your four-episode contract with Succession. Good luck in future endeavors. You are off mm -hmm. the cast. Goodbye, Lisa! Turns out she's toxic. Spencer, did you know she's toxic? Uh, you know, actually, let's talk about this for a second. Her criticism of Kent. Yep. I didn't honestly see it as that cutting. It was a little bit forceful, but honestly, I thought it was, as you said, it was a pretty good read and didn't come across as being that mean, really. It was just more of an assessment of presentation and strategy. But as also you said, Ken is so damn sensitive when it comes to criticism, unless it's under something that he can control and can, feels like he can laugh at, that I could understand why he would see anything that she would say about him as toxic. I think he uses the word toxic, and I, this is what... Second they, time gonna, this is said, this episode. Yeah, but, I'm going to base this on his on what I've, I've gotten from times. him lately. And I think he's using the word toxic here to mean her focus is off. Like she's only focused. This is for his perspective. I'm not saying it's right. This is what he's thinking. She's only looking at like criticizing me and what I'm doing wrong. And she's not doing enough of attacking. She's not mm -hmm. attacking the way I want her to do. She's just inwardly looking. Hey, Ken, you need to do this. You need to do that. You're fucking this up. You're fucking that up. And you're not out there in front pushing uh, in front of the cameras, pushing political levers, pushing the AG, trying to get my father in trouble, trying to get me installed as head of Waystar. So in his perspective, that's what's toxic, is is the focus of the internal criticism. That could be a fair read. I think it I, I mix that with an idea of just personally bruised pride, and I think you got to... Yeah, there's certainly part of that. Yeah. I, I, anyway, uh, he says, I'm getting a new legal a legal A team. Not No B teams around Kindle, okay? Legal no, A team in not. place. Uh, but we have to put him in the right context. Comfrey is obviously taken aback by this. Kendall's like trying to tell her, look, it's going to be okay. I want to point out that Kendall is drinking straight liquor in this in this scene. Uh, he's got just straight Thank whiskey you. in a glass. It looks to be Thank you for day. noting that. We'll see if we return to that next episode. I think we well, will. Maybe. Uh, you know, maybe it's nothing. I mean, they do a lot of drinking on this show. <laughs> I've, but like, I've seen the preview. A, we, 
he uh, he's got a, like a, he's got a history of this. It doesn't look good uh, mm-hmm. for him to be just drinking straight liquor in the middle of the day openly. But I don't know. Uh, that that's that's what what's happening. I'm just reporting it. He asked some of the other guys around him about his 40th birthday party. Spencer, big four out. Shit slaps. You ever use that phrase before? Shit slaps. I have never used that phrase other than the most ironic way possible. You should start saying that. Shit slaps. Shit People slaps. People get a real kick out of that. What, if you're like well, that, at work and they're like, hey, how's the coffee from the place across the street? Oh, man. Like, Shit slaps. slaps. People are going to love that. They're gonna this love this that is my thing. You. This is my thing now. Gotcha. Okay. I'll make, they're make asking him about his 40th birthday party. And if you don't want to be spoiled for the next episode, press the little skip 15 on your mm. iPhone, iPhone on your, your pod player. Okay. Do it right now. Press it right now. Okay, next episode is the, all the 40th birthday party, which I am gonna be over the moon excited about because you know my favorite episode of all time was Roman's bachelor party. The, can this not? Is this going to be even worse? I'm picturing this being more tragic and sad rather than just extreme insane the same way that is, but it's still gonna be a continuation of a three episode run of just straight up insanity. Okay, press it again. We we did we didn't do it in 15 seconds. Press it one more time. Um, I don't know from the, it looks like they are going for it. Everybody gets trashed into stupid sh- shit though. Like it does look like they're going for that. It's giving me an element of that. Yeah. I, this might be a Lee episode is what I'm saying. It might be, might be. <laughs> what hasn't been a Lee episode for you? Oh, so excited. Uh, anyway, he asked Comfrey to remind him of the idea of the name of it. You want to see the name of Kendall's birthday party? <sighs> Weimar meets Carthage meets Dante meets AI and antibiotic superbugs. Well, it's end times is the name of it. <laughs> Yeah, with all that at the end of that. Yeah. Kendall then asked if Zadie Smith, you know who that is? Uh, heard it. Not uh, really sure. Like an author of like modern fiction, like a real, like real prestigious author of modern fiction, like not yeah. a joke, like one of our, one of the better writers that we have. Chuck D, one of the better mm. rappers that we have. And Lucas Madsen, can't get this guy. I don't know who that is. I Googled it, got nothing. Are going to come to his antibiotic party? Uh, his... Yeah, Kendall then turns to Jess and asks uh, about him. Hey, is he picking up? And she's like, he's not picking up any of our numbers. And Kendall says, we need new numbers because he is the priority. Who did you did think you, he was here? I figured it was Tom. I, I, See, you, 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 I think you, they were setting you up for Logan, though, right? Because the last episode, we got that Logan had blocked his number. I think it's a little misdirection here. It's, it is misdirection, but since he already name-dropped that they need to get somebody f- to flip, Tom's the obvious guy to try to get to call there, because he's the one that's being left holding the bag. Cut to Greg explaining to a group of people. This is... Is this, about, is this your favorite part of the episode? This it's is gotta a very, be, right? This is a very funny part of the episode, and yeah, go on, man. Read it to me, Let's please. just say this is our favorite part of the episode right here. Go Greg on. explains to... And I want your legal opinion on this. Greg explains to a group of people that his grandfather gave his inheritance to Greenpeace. So, I mean... I think as a podcast, we can all say fuck Greenpeace. And then someone posted a disparaging comment about him on their website. And ta-ta-ta, Greenpeace promoted it. So his lawyer thinks that that is defamation. So that's why I'm suing Greenpeace. Spencer, your legal opinion? I'm not going to offer a legal opinion because this is actually a very heavily contested issue. But I will say this is very topical right now because there is there, there's law in place that says that if you're hosting a message board, you can't be sued for the content that people posted. It's a new, it's, you're basically just maintaining a public But what form. if you promote it? But if you do things to influence and control the discussion or indicate your assent or agreement with certain things, it starts to get into more of a much more legally contested gray area right now, which is part of the reason that a lot of conservative channels are being very aggressive and going after tech right now due to certain things they say are tech doing that to control discussions. So 
topical, I'll say, on the show's part. So there you go. That's that's Spencer's formal legal opinion. He just gave a formal legal opinion. Thank you, Spencer. There has been no formal legal opinion provided. Let's just have that reserved for the record, you asshole. Cut to Shiv being cornered by a guy named uh, Elgato? Salgado? Salgado? Is that his name? What is that other guy's uh, yeah, name? Yeah, Salgado. 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 And he's pushing, really pushing her to make ATN back him. He's basically trying to make this deal, which I thought was, woo, you are very forward, sir, as she says. He says, look, you, from the inside, make sure ATN pushes me, pushes me over the top, gets me the nomination, I get the presidency, and I will make sure you ascend to the CEO chair of ATN. How am I going to do that? I'm going to put your father in prison. So here's the Hiding thing about nothing. This. Here's the thing about this. Crazy yeah. thing to approach someone. The, this, this quid pro quo is absolutely batshit bonkers crazy. But it, it's a Hail Mary that might actually land in the gloves of the receiver because this is, sounds like kind of like peak Shiv here, right? It, this, I mean, for both Salgado and for what, what's, what's the name of the uh, guy that Roman talks to? It starts with an M. Blanking on his name already. Mankin. Mankin. Both of them read their target well. They read who was going to be the agent good. to get to Logan. Absolutely. And it, this would normally work for anyone else other than Logan, because as I've covered on this podcast many times, Shiv loves one person on this earth only, and it's her father. And she's not going to go for this. Uh, no, you think it's you, you pointed at me. You're thinking Shiv me. I'm telling you, I think that Shiv loves her father. That's the only person she loves and respects in this world. So if other it had been herself. anybody else, anybody else, Roman, Kendall, her mom, anybody she would love this quid pro quo put my put my family member in prison make me ceo i, I don't she, think she's gonna go for it with her dad she still she still recommends the guy she still right pushes but i don't think she's do, I, you're right but i honestly i honestly think we get a pivot from shiv later and 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 i think she's we'll get to it but i i don't, I don't think her focus is as much on like what is good for me personally when she starts to get later in this episode cut to tom who's with greg and some guys telling him to hoard the mackerel tins. You know, mackerel, you'd like, the, like basically the like fish, yeah. Of fish. Yeah. So quick story here. Um, you know, Mike Tyson went to prison in the 90s for rape. I, yeah, remember that. For like three years, um, he was in prison. Mm-hmm. And during this entire time, he didn't trust the prison food because he thought people would like poison him or try to get him sick. So he ate nothing but canned tuna fish and ramen noodles from the little commissary store. Now you could have as much money as you wanted in your little prison account, so he, he could he could obviously you know buy it. So he ate for three straight years tuna and ramen, and that is it. That's all Mike Tyson ate. So there you did go. not know that story. Would want to yeah. test the mercury in his bones after that kind of thing. Yeah, and he did seven hundred push-ups a day. That's how he says he stayed in shape. He also cool. explains that the toilet is your stair machine, your fridge, your lover, your brother, your priest, and it's your toilet. Can be a perfect gentleman or it can be a bastard. This guy seems to just be saying stupid shit, like wax and poetic. I don't think he's making a lot of sense. I think this guy's been to prison. I think, I think he has too, but I think he's like he's do he's like, I've been to prison, so I'm gonna give you some advice, but he's right. just kind of like wisdom. out on a limb saying yeah. crazy shit. Tom seems like if you anything, like if you just come up to Tom and say prison, he's gonna lock in and like yeah. whatever you say. Cut Greg to too. this chair yeah, cut to this chairman guy and he's talking to Logan and they are struggling with Boyer. Boyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the vice president, but they are really struggling with him. Logan says he doesn't really care about ideological purity or anything, just that they get it and they, and pop. they pop. Get it for Logan means do what I tell you. That's yeah. what get it means. Mm-hmm. One of the con heads come over and pitches Connor. Connor says, I speak for my father when I say no comment. Logan blowing me back in my seat, fucking me all up in the game. 
said, sure, I could see Connor. Did you think they were going there? I didn't think they were actually going there, but I can see it as part of Logan wanting people to engage in a discussion and wanting people to kill it, wanting people to actually kill it for him so he doesn't have to. Cut to Salgado, Minkin, and Boyer. These are the three. These are the three guys. They're all talking together. Minkin acknowledges Boyer's years of experience, and Boyer points out Minkin used to call him Martin Van Boring. Minkin, hey, come on. I still call you that. Boyer then says, this is the party of the working class now, which Schiff seems annoyed by. It seems crazy considering the group of people that you have here who are making decisions, yeah. right? This seems insane. But the fact of the matter is, in the modern political landscape, in America, more working, quote, working class people support Republicans than they do Democrats. Um, mm-hmm. You have the poorest, the, of the, poorest of the poor, poorest of the poor support Democrats and the richest of the rich support Democrats. And you have this chunk in the middle. If you make 50 grand and you work for a local Allstate insurance branch in some bumfuck, you know, little Fly, suburb flyover state somewhere in Wichita, Kansas or whatever, you're voting Republican. So there's some some truth to what he's saying here it's been a colossal shift over recent years when it comes to what the base of support in each party was the democrats always ran as being the labor party that was their basis for and they still they still govern that way they still try to govern that way which is crazy but the people who benefit from what how they try to govern vote and vote against them it's a what's wrong with kansas situation depending on your race and your gender which has gotten even more divided too that's true and i did say this when i was watching this i was saying like this is true but it really falls more along racial lines than it does socioeconomic lines but nonetheless way more working class people are voting for republicans now than they used to and i think that's the point he's trying to make and it's a good one shiv doesn't like it then minkin and and salgado get into a back and forth where minkin's making fun of the fact that the guy likes to talk policy he says what you do when you talk policy is you read a national review article from 2012 and you recite it back to me so minkin getting a lot of roman vibes he's just like chaos agent insult you punch you always aggressive always sort of funny and weird uh, Boyer then, uh, uh, Salgado then says Minkin doesn't like to talk policy because he doesn't have one. Roman sticking up for his boy, sick burn, bro. Shiv then says, oh God, it's so fucking boring. She finally snaps on Minkin. She says, I get your stick. You're a YouTube provocateur. Our t- our, um, Aristo populism rape is not all natural. It's just a red pill, baby. I'm so fucking boring. Minkin is then just the worst. He says, do you read Plato? He says, like, he seems to say this seriously. Do you read Plato? Right. Have you read The Republic? Shiv, remind me, what happens? Minkin, just read Plato. She was like, I don't fucking want to. Of course, she doesn't want to read Plato. Minkin's mm. just sort of a douche. Salgado then says Minkin just wants to yell loud enough to get on ATN. And Minkin, then shocking the room, goes on an anti-ATN rant, which ends with Logan Roy is no longer relevant, which Logan Roy is listening to. Interesting choice think- here. Spencer, what did I- you think of this scene? I think it was a wise choice because I think one of the things Logan most values about people is their willingness to speak what their mind is and have a position. And I think he actually would appreciate somebody that calls him an ass, has the guts to actually call him out and offer what is seemingly an honest criticism of what his establishment is. I think Logan also does read the tea leaves too and does see that there is some certain degree of truth that he is kind of the old guard and maybe increasingly falling into uh, irrelevance, hence why he's going after big tech. So... Manchin, I think, is really good at assessing the person that he's talking to and saying what they need, which I think is a large part of the populist base that he's moving on anyway. Cut to Roman doing some internet research on the guy marrying his mom, asking Shiv if she recognizes him. Great quote here from Roman, potential line of the episode. Fucking jelly-boned, low-tea, pip-pip, cheerio, fucker. Mm. Uh, 
I just love when he just starts, starts talking and insulting. It's just so much fun. She asks if he's told Logan, and Roman says no, but posits that they have to stop the wedding. Shiv tells him, stop obsessing. Um, Roman, our mother is marrying a dickhead, crooked tooth turnip man. What's wrong is how little you care about it. There you go. That's what we were talking yeah. about earlier. Shiv That's just Roman laughs it off, makes a comment about how Roman wants to have sex with his mother. She That's always Oedipus. her comeback with Roman is that whatever he whatever he says or does, she tries it's to sex related. She tries to call him young and horny. That's basically what yeah. she does. She's a very Freudian assessment of him as a person. Cut to Roman and Shiv going th- th- during this like West Wing esque walk and talk thing that they're doing. They're actually going to Logan's suite, which we get to see on the front of the door is literally called the Royal Suite, which I thought was funny. <laughs> So I guess he's got the best suite in the whole hotel, even though the vice president is there. Logan has them sit down and ask them to have a conversation about who to endorse. Hugo asks if... Go ahead. Oh, you're, you're sorry. You're about to go into it. Please, go. Hugo asks if Greg is necessary. Um, Logan, answering this question, looks at Greg and says, just keep your mouth shut. Watch. Greg, okay. Minimizing the Greg window. Why do you think Logan seems to intentionally want Greg to be there? Actually, directly asks him for his opinion later. Why do you think that is? Well, because he, he's still trying to he's still trying to ensure. Like, so a couple episodes ago, he needed Greg, and he mm-hmm. brought him over. He did the whole like drink rum at nine o'clock in the morning. I'm going to intimidate you thing to get you to sign this joint defense agreement. He still needs Greg. He wants Greg to stay on, and so he wants to give him a little breadcrumb here and there. He wants to give him a little bit. And I think this is part of continuing to gain Greg's trust, I think. I think it's I think that's true. I also think tactically from that perspective, Greg is the closest thing they've got right now to an everyman. He's the closest thing they have to the opinion of the guy on the street when it comes to these candidates or whatever else. So I think he is kind of valuable to them in that regard because they're looking at this from a lofty tower that they don't really know what's being talked about in the trenches the same way that Greg kind of sort of maybe can offer them. So that's kind of true, but there's also this pompous sort of air about everything they're saying where they think they can through their network influence people any way they want to go. So I don't think they they think that they're necessarily dependent upon the will of the general public, but I do think they think he's a nice bellwether. That is true. Well, keep in mind, this is Logan that was browbeating people over what was the price of a gallon of milk. He does really value what is the common man's view or understanding or knowledge when it comes to these kind of issues, even if he kind of looks down on it too. And even if he thinks he can influence it, however, he needs to. Very true. Logan tells them they need one voice in this. Otherwise, we could hand it to the fuck, fuck donkey gang. <laughs> I want a shirt. I want a shirt. Will you give me a shirt? That, that, yeah, please. Give me a yeah, fuck, what's, fuck what's, donkey what's, gang shirt for the next you, election. Are you going to wear that during our next election watch as a group? Absolutely. Fuck, fuck donkey gang. That's what I'm a part of. So <laughs> who do we like? Shiv asks a process question meant to delay things. And Logan just says, we're picking. We haven't got all night. Mm-hmm. Connor. I like Connor Roy. Honestly, Dad, I think she should go Dems. Nobody comments on it. No one returns. We'll come back to that later. Unbelievable Shiv here off the top rope. This is a... What do you think of this move here by Shiv to tell him to go with the Dems? Like, it never seemed to me like this was even remotely an option ever on the table. It seems almost silly that she would say it. What... You've done you've done a lot of contract negotiation before. What she could be doing, if you want to give her the benefit of the doubt, is purposefully aiming high. So when you go with what you really want, you suddenly appear massively accommodating. Could be that. It could be that she's purposely trying to control the narrative in that way. If Maybe. so, it doesn't work. No, uh, but I don't think she thinks he's going to go down. So as soon as he no, says no, it, no, no. Roman just says, wow, Jesus Christ. I kind of like Minkin, but I know he's kind of shitty. So if it's now, I guess Boyer. 
but can I just say I don't like Boyer? And he catches a look from Schiff, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, Schiff says, Roman, no disrespect. And I'll, by the way, this concept of no disrespect lasts for about another T-8 seconds. But Boyer is yesterday's papers. The Dem will run on change and blow him away. I think Dem, I think Dem's going to blow any of these guys away. That's what I say. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> That's what I think. We win elections, baby. Uh-huh. Um, Shiv, honestly, Dad. Oh, no, no, no. Um, Roman. Oh, Miss Politics. How many big races did you win? Four, three, <laughs> oh. two, and then the one he settles on is the middle finger. I guess he's mm. finally pointing out that, you know, she never really won a race. I guess she did work for our sure guy, for Bernie Sanders, up there for a little while, but eventually got fired from him. So it's not like she really lit the world on fire when she was a political consultant. Yeah. Shiv says Boyer is not a winner. Roman says, okay, then we should talk about Macon. See if we can deal with him. Carrie jumps in and says, well, the base does like him. Logan points at her and says, huh, she's got something. Yeah, she does got something. Uh-huh. She's got something, Spencer. Uh, just a bit, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Shiv is quite, uh, doesn't really know what to do with the fact that Carrie jumped in. I think that really surprised her. Yeah. Yeah, but she finally says, look, can I say something? No, uh, Minkin, uh, Minkin is an integralist, nativist, toxic fuckhead. He's Medicare for all, abortions for none. And his idea of diplomacy is shooting roe deer with Victor Orban and then starting a trade war with China. There's a lot of references and shit that go on in the next Just about two minutes that I don't really understand all of them. Um, but it's clear that she is not a big Minkin fan. Mm-hmm. She says, look, I'm tough. I know that there's the, there's the carnival bark and then there's the fucking show, but he's outside the American political tradition. And I think we have a responsibility as Waystar. Roman then starts humming the national anthem as she talks. Four score and whatever my sister did bring forth from her bedroom, a glass of milky sputum. Here's the thing. I'm going to pause mm-hmm. here. Please. What do you think they're doing with this Minkin character? Who dost thou, Spencer, think Minkin is? Oh, what kind of populist rabble-rouser that can upset the entire political system could they be referencing here? What particular candidate could they be suggesting that that the you know, Fox News equivalent of AFTN might be you know heavily investing in for the sake of ratings after a certain point in the political cycle? You know, I'm really struggling to think of an option here, man. Who are you going with? Trump. Yeah, it's fucking it's Trump. Trump. It's Trump. Trump. It's a more fascist Trump. Yeah, they went a little, as they do in succession, they go a little bit more extreme. But I think that we have uh, Shiv's old employers, he, Bernie Sanders. He's a stand-in representative of Trump. I think this is Trump. a stand-in representative of Trump. They didn't give him the big billionaire status, but he is this sort of political outsider, rapple rouser, popular with the base, fascist leanings sort of thing that, that Trump was to the party and sort of uh, scary to a lot of political insiders. With a much more blatant kind of race baiting sort of focus in terms of how he's, you know, focusing on what the base wants. Shiv says he's talked about burning Qurans and goes on a list of all the awful things this guy said. Roman, stop chicken littling us. It just makes us all want to take a nap. I'm going to say that. So one thing that happens in our friendship for folks who are listening is that. Uh, we talk politics all the time because we think it's very important. And when we do, mm-hmm. Spencer always tells me that whatever the worst option is, is going to happen. We're yeah. talking the Senate map. That's what we do. Yeah. Senate map, our guys aren't going to win. Gonna House, lose our guys seats. aren't going to win. President, our seats. guys aren't going to win. So yep. I'm going to start saying this line to you. Stop chicken littling us. It just makes us all want to take a nap. Put that one in the holster. <laughs> you can keep saying it, and I'm going to still do it. Thank you. Shiv, stop being a dirty little pixie and whispering swastikas in dad's ear. Ding. Um, ding. Boom. Even Roman calls it out. He says, there you go again. So fucking route one. Shiv says, look, I'm not going, 
I'm not saying he's going to go full Third Reich, but I'm genuinely Dang. concerned that we could slide into a Russian Berlusconi fuckpile. So basically mm. saying um, it won't be like Hitler, but it will be like maybe the fascist part of some yeah. of the Western Europe countries that we see, Italy, Russia, whatever. Right. Strong, strong man centralized politics, upsetting political traditions. Can't Roman, with potential line of the episode, you have a trophy husband in several fur coats. I think you'll be fine. Which is, we kind of debated what Roman's philosophy is. That may be summarizing at least half of what, what we are talking about. It's pretty good, yeah. Logan asked Tom who he likes. Kind of going for that everyman thing, like you mentioned before. Tom says, shit makes a lot of sense, but he jobs with Salgado. Roman says, uh, gibbering, uh, or jiving, or whatever, is racist, whatever Tom said. Uh, Greg says, um, ask if he gets a vote. Great line from Roman. Sure you do, buddy. You get you get to vote at the election like all the other folks. Greg, in, ter in, ter in terms of our stand-in, Salgado's kind of our McCain. Not necessarily a maverick, but the more traditional kind of conservative, more style thing. Or Romney. Yeah. Yeah. Much more the traditional conservative representing the more the stability. Maybe a John Kasich for the that, modern. That could be a good one, yeah. Yeah, because he seems like he doesn't have a lot of juice in the party. So it might be more like Kasich as opposed to McCain. That, that's fair. Um, Greg says, I just feel like you get a bigger vote in here. Roman, easy, Castro. Uh, Hugo points out uh, that Boyer will be easier over on the DOJ. But Shiv says that's only if he gets in and he won't because the Dems will wipe the floor with him, which she said before. Hugo does say that they're hearing that the DOJ case is crumbling a bit. No one big is going to do any jail time. Nobody important at all. I mean, nobody. Oh, uh, hold on. With that exception of you, Tom. Oh, <laughs> man, that was fucking... just cruel. He's the, the the way they treat Tom is awful, and obviously they're setting something up, and we'll get into that. Well, yeah, they're they're focusing on this so that Tom can blow the whole thing fucking open by the end of this season, which he will do. Shiv says, "Look, Dad, if you don't go blue, then at least we have to back Salgado." So this is your point. Maybe he's yeah. just backing backing down. Connor, Senior Dickless, Captain of the Tampa Bay Cuckaneers. So even Connor's this is another on the common trash. conservative insult. Yeah, absolutely. Calling him a cuck, calling him weak again, mm. as we pointed out. It's, Super, super masculine sort of culture. Tom then says, Sid is calling and he walks out. Is it Sid? It is not. We it had Kendall on the not. line. It's Kendall. He finally got through. So the he, which you correctly guessed earlier in the episode, the he that Kendall was talking about to Jess, I believe was in fact Tom. Kendall asked Tom where he is. Tom says, I'm Virginia. Kendall says, no, where in the building are you? Indicating I want to meet with you right now. Come back to Roman Shiv. Can I just say, and I know that we have our differences, but I do think you are so brave for picking the brown man. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Roman. I think we should get you a medal, a special medal for white women who like brown men. Shiv then mm. openly calls Roman a racist, so this whole no respect thing out the yeah, door. Yeah, gone. Shiv then prompts Roman to tell Dad something about Mom. Roman, Mom's getting married. Logan, hmm. To Bertie Roofter. Roman, no. To Peter Munyon. Logan is shocked by this, calls him a seat sniffer, says he's been coming around for 40 years. Now, I think we all have, like, we all who have, like, a, a per like a partner that we've been with for a long time, most of us, have that one sort of friend where you're like, yeah, if I died, he'd make a run at that, like, That'd I be the know, guy? Like he, yeah, he's, he's always, a, a seat sniffer is a pretty good name. I hadn't heard, heard that before. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, but it's someone who's, like, always, like, a little too nice to your wife or significant other. And you know that, like, yeah, they're going to they're gonna make a run as soon as I'm out of the picture. That's who, apparently, this well, guy is. That's what with, Logan is explaining. And with it being 40 years, this guy was around when Logan was around. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, 
Roman then says, yeah, and, and she would love it, apparently, if uh, you all came to her big Tuscan wedding. Logan, well, la-di-da! And they sent you as a messenger, and then he laughs. So this is, we're getting into a part of the episode where Logan just seems to be having a good time. He just seems like he's having fun. He's just making fun of stuff. He's laughing. It's uh, it's fun, Logan, weirdly yeah. enough. Yeah, laid back. Yeah. What, how do you like, you're a big Logan guy. How do you like fun Logan? Uh, it's Logan at his most powerful. It's Logan demonstrating his most control. It's Logan at his most Logan. So, again, I don't like Logan. I don't want him necessarily to win. I just think he is. And this kind of... There's an I- a tinge of overconfidence we're going to discuss in the ranking by the end of this and you know, leading himself in a, on a dangerous path. But it certainly is demonstrating a, the power and influence that he's commanded in the past. Cut to Kendall arriving in that same diner with Tom. So I guess Tom said, if you want to meet me, you got to go to the diner. <laughs> Training. Tom knows exactly what he wants. Griddle Hero special, please, with double hash browns fully loaded and a plain waffle and a large cup of room temperature water. I guess he thinks he can order double hash browns in prison. I do not believe that's the case. Now, Kendall doesn't know what the fuck to do with this, just as I might just watch him. Tom, you know Rasputin would take a dose of arsenic every morning with breakfast to build up his tolerance. Potential out of the episode. Kind of, kind of bold, this one. This is a pretty common historical thing for you know certain figures to just prepare themselves for poisoning by kind of building up a tolerance over time from you know, but hmm? which Tom thinks so little of diner food that that's what he thinks he's doing right now, which is pretty funny to me. I, I almost want to believe this is actually what you know a, a food that you and I would quite enjoy is like a three a.m. breakfast kind of thing, but they're just so highfalutin that they're looking down on it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so. Then we have a really very interesting conversation here between Kendall Just and Tom. Kendall says, I like you, Tom. Tom says, I like you too. But I have notes. They go back notes. and forth on who has the bigger notes, who has mm-hmm. the bigger. Um, finally, Kendall says, I think I can get you out of this mess. Where are you going? Kendall, you know, uh, they are calling you the Christmas tree, Tom. Maybe because I'm tall and jolly. Kendall, maybe. Maybe. You think so? You think so? You think that's why? Mm. I'm going to tell you this. Kendall, in this conversation... This great representation of Kendall is about 75% good, 25% completely absurd and terrible. He does some good stuff in this conversation, but he, he also does, fucks it. He does some good stuff and then ruins it with his douchiness. Just, he, he has I'm a not sure that he line. ruins it. Not sure that he ruins it, but he certainly hurts it. He do, doesn't help. Does not help. Yeah, he hurts it. I'm not sure he ruins it. Uh, Tom seems conflicted, says he'd prefer that not to happen. Kendall says um, that... Uh, you know, basically, he's asking Tom if he's interested in an alternative. Tom, I have of late tried not to tarry too much with hope. So he's basically saying, I've just kind of come to the realization that I'm going to go to prison, and that's just kind of it. It's Kendall says, look, my case you. is strong. My case is, well, well, it's fine. But it has gaps, and I need someone who can say that nothing gets signed off on without Dad's say-so. Tom, well, I don't know that that's true. So Kendall's not necessarily, or Tom's not necessarily buying into this right away. Ken says, he says, Ken, I'm just a humble servant. Ken says, um... Look, I admire you, Tom. You're a long way from home. You're far from the tree. You played your hand well, and you're sitting at the top of the table. Tom says, well, I fell in love with your sister. A great response from Kendall. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking dismissive of that. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Sure, yeah. sure. The country mouse and the hot tamale. Kendall, here's how it goes. I have new lawyers who are fucking amazing. Is new lawyers amazing? I'm sure. Amazing. Are. They're amazing, oh, yeah. Spencer. I'm, I do not sure under... <laughs> Do not underestimate the cognitive dissonance you are under. Hiding line, but pretty soon granted immunity. And you're not going to prison. How does that sound? Uh, 
it sounds great. I don't know what basis at all Ken has to offer this. And he's very light on specifics. His new awesome lawyers, of course. Oh, yeah. Awesomeness. Yeah, like so you're you you like talk about Ken like he's like a twelve year old who just like gets up in the morning and is like, I'm gonna tell you about Superman. Like maybe that's yeah. eight. I, I don't I think, think that's he's quite still 12. wearing the maybe pajamas. At, maybe at twelve they're a little too old for that. I'm not good with kids. Maybe that's like six. But yeah. point being, you think he's just a baby. I don't I think, think he's, he's still wearing the footy pajamas, yes. Yeah, I don't think he's a baby. I think he would not have approached this conversation if he did not have some sort of angle he thinks to get Tom immunity. So I think there's something there. There's a thread to pull. Well, it's, it's not nothing. The problem is, is that Tom keeps asking the specifics and Ken just doesn't give it to him. Which Yeah, well, he probably he doesn't know him. And that's the issue. If he had something to play, he would have showed it right here. Or he should yeah. have showed it right here. Because this yeah, is the I, moment to land Tom. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I think he... I, well, we'll get to it. Um, cut to Logan, who says, uh, they have to be united. Shiv again pushes Salgado, and Roman cuts her off. We all supported your little DC lemonade stand, but this is the fucking real world. This actually matters. So again, trying to diminish her pol- pol- political history, her uh, ability to read the situation. He does have... A, I, I put it in my notes. Goddamn Roman has a bullseye set on Shiv this entire episode. He does seem to be firing at her hard. Harder and than hit, he normally does. Hit, and hitting, hitting her hard, too. Absolutely. Uh, Roman, you just love the boot because you love to be kicked by it. Roman, uh, Connor coughs and Logan asks, what about Connor? What about Connor? So kind Same of as before. Point, he wants to it run. out there. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Who gives me honest Roman, advice here? Roman's like, yeah, but like, really? Ah, I guess sure. I don't know. They're all fucking yeah. weirdos anyway, so why not? No offense, Connor. Logan says he can see it. Hell, Joe Kennedy did it for his boys. So let's get him <laughs> in there with a smile and a shoe shine. Connor, I would fight so fucking hard for this family. So it kind of seems like they're trending this way. Um, I'm a sucker. I thought Logan. I thought Logan was doing it. I really did. I thought he was going there. Yeah, you. He, you're want, more of a, you're, yeah. he wants one of his kids to actually give him honest advice here and say it's a horrible idea. And he wants one of them to say it. And it ends up being fucking Greg. Logan, Siobhan, as a political consultant, what do you think? Shiv points out that he has no track record. Connor says, that's great. Nobody can beat me up with it. Sadly enough, that kind of works in <laughs> politics. That's kind of true, yeah. Yeah, when Hillary Clinton ran against Donald Trump, it was like we slammed her record over and over again, and there was like nothing to talk about for Trump, so somehow he skated. Like, that happens in, in politics. How now. dare she have 35 years of experience? Dear God. Yeah, I, insider corrupt. You know, like it, it all gets used against you, like actually having relevant job experience now. So it's as absurd as Connor kind of sounds, that kind of tracks sometimes. He's not like completely off. Logan, he can walk and chew gum and he can piss pretty straight. So pff, obviously should be president, right, Spencer? Roman jumps in and is like, guys, seriously? Connor says, look, it's a big tent and you're welcome. Roman posits that maybe they can ask the guy who waxes his balls. What did I learn about Roman this episode? Gets his balls waxed. That's what Good I Good to know. Logan asked Greg if he would vote for Connor. Greg, honestly, it depends. I guess I could see myself uh, spoiling my ballot in his favor. He starts there. We'll come back to it. Logan asked Shiv if it's nuts. Shiv, I love Con. I do. But if we're talking about this seriously, I think we have to look at Salgado. Hugo, call Boyer. So uh, this is what Logan wants. He wants Hugo to call Boyer. Roman says if they're bringing up Soggy Salgado, he wants to see if they can tame a Minkin. Connor, oh, for fuck's sake. So basically they've moved on past Connor at this point. Logan has Hugo put the vice president on speaker. Wonderful conversation here. This is so much fun, this conversation. Please go on. This is just the best. Yeah. Hi, Dave. It's Logan. How are you? 
Oh, I'm fine. Oh. Well, I'm fine. Well, I'm up here in my suite. Would you fancy stopping by? It's pretty uh, late, Logan. Uh huh. I'll, I'll, I'll do. Boy oh, you do, Logan. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm fine. We're all we're all here in my suite. Would you fancy stopping by? Uh, it, it, it's pretty late, Logan. Uh huh. But uh, sh- sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and Dave, my my fr- my fridge is bare. I don't suppose you could run me over a coke. Did did you mean to call room service? If you don't have a coke, is there something else? Could you could you fire the deputy attorney general? Fire the deputy attorney general? I'm kidding. Come on over, have a chat. Oh man, what a fucking back and forth. He has his. He, you talk about head on a swivel. This guy's on skates. Yeah, it, it, this is Logan being is just having delight in manipulating the situation, and he is catching this guy completely unawares and unprepared. We've gotten this before, where Logan uses his power to be sort of petty, but also sort of funny, mm-hmm. and. Rome, they, we, we've been, and in this type of situation, they've been consistent that they cut to Roman and Roman is always enjoying it. This is the part of Logan yeah. that, Ro, that Roman really enjoys. And they did the same thing here. They cut to Roman and Roman was having a great time with this. Mm-hmm. Greg, finally. Yeah. Oh, I will go. Uh, I just want to say, because um, they, they, Logan tells him before the vice president gets here, you, Greg needs to leave. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. that's enough of the Greg experience. The vice president's coming this week. We need to talk to him. Greg, I will go. I just want to say. Shiv looks up at him like, what the hell got into you? And he says, I think I owe it to my country to say, I don't think you should crown or or make or make <laughs> Connor president. Thank you. Good night. Sorry. So Greg yeah. offered the honest opinion that Logan was looking for there. That's going to be points, I think, in Greg's favor in Logan's mind. I think so, too. I think you're right. Cut to Kendall and Tom walking out to the parking lot. So they're done with their diner meal. Kendall asks him what he thinks. Tom says, I still need to think about it, Kendall. My dad seems pretty powerful. My dad seems safe. But, uh. You think she's still going to be there waiting for you after prison? Great oh. question. Hits Tom. This guy does not believe that Shiv will be there waiting for him after prison. And Spencer's I, shaking Shiv, his head no. Will Shiv wait a month? No. No. She As soon as he goes to prison, she's done. Yeah. Tom, exactly how does it work if I come over to you? Interesting. Interesting. This is what... Okay, and this is the thing. If... Ken had details, this would be the moment to play them out. Because Tom's receptive. If you can give him a path to a different life, this man's ready to jump. He just wants to know he can actually trust you. Yeah, absolutely. He says, how is it better when I tell my wife who I love and this family that I'm turning against him? Kendall says, well, she'll respect you, man. (laughs) Show her who the man is. Stupid, stupid fucking line from Kendall. Yeah. Tom. Potential line of the episode. Yeah. Wildly good line. It's all over Twitter, as it should be. It's all over everywhere. Speaking for the fan community, speaking for all of us, here it is. Tom, I don't mean to be insulting, but having been around a bit, my hunch is you're going to get fucked. Because I've seen you get fucked a lot, and I've never seen Logan get fucked once. You want my philosophy for I'm back in Logan? Thank you, Tom, for summarizing it right there. I, I can't bet on Kindle. I think he's a losing horse. Yeah, I, 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 we, I guess we, we, I guess we are approaching this sort of differently, actually, because you're saying who you're betting on, and I'm saying who I'm rooting for, which are often different things. But I can't root for the fucking, I can't root for the fucking Emperor Palpatine. I've told you before, Logan's evil incarnate. Like I'm not gonna root for Rupert Murdoch. Like sorry, like fuck that, fuck Logan. So I'm, I'm Team Kendall all the way, even though he's an idiot. As Tom goes to get in the car, Kendall starts taking pictures of him with his phone. Douche move. Tom doesn't even really care. Nice, classy. You know what they're doing up in the suite? They're picking the next president. No, they're not, Tom. No, they're not. They're picking it up. Yep. Yep, they are. Totally. 
We see a shot of Tom really deep in thought. The car ride back over to the hotel. I'm going to stop here and I'm just going to say it. Tom's going to flip. Yeah. He's absolutely going to go to Kendall's side. 100%. Nope. Not because of I, Kendall's, how smooth Kendall was, because he wasn't perfectly smooth, although he did have some good lines. But Tom, the, here's the thing. The, Kendall is the only person in this whole fucking debacle who has come to Tom and said, I want to keep you out of prison. Yeah. No one it. on the Waystar side is doing that at all. They all seem like they're totally fine with him going to prison. Matter of fact, they, they even say no one's going. Hugo yeah. said no one's going. Oh, except you, Tom. That's how well, little they think of him. And it kindles coming to him with the one thing that will make him flip, which is I want to take care of you. And this is one of the things of where you, you referenced the wire before and how, you know, WeeBay was willing to take all those crimes to the Barksdales. Part of the reason the Barksdales were able to inspire that loyalty was A, they picked good people, at least in the early part, but B, they would pay for all of their expenses and care for their families afterwards. They would yeah. give them a reason to accept taking that crime, taking that hit. Yep. The organization has given Tom no reasons to be loyal to them, nor is Shiv when it comes to what they're asking him to do versus what they're willing to give him for this. And quite honestly, all Shiv has to be is a normal wife and he wouldn't flip. Yeah. But she's not. She's not capable. If they offered him any monicum of support, of understanding, of appreciation, along with, imagine, the financial package they're going to give him regardless, there would be no question of his loyalty. They can't even give him that. We see Tom walk in the lobby and he sees Greg on people's shoulders with them chanting his name. Uh, they're they're really they're real happy. Proud boy is real Peace. happy that he's gonna he's gonna fuck Greenpeace. Then we see Tom walk slowly back up to the suite and we see Salgado leaving. I think that the the, the car shot and the slow walking of Tom back up to the suite is the Good show giving you the foreshadowing that he is going to flip. Yeah. Then we hear Boyer talking about how he's concerned about DOJ overreach and he's going to focus on tech. He even names the company Waystar is thinking of going after through mm-hmm. a, an acquisition. And he does his, he says, I don't Go think there's going, to be any, no, there's going to be no regulatory issues there at all, I don't think. So, like you said before, this is the vice president saying, here's all the stuff. Here's the bag, grab bag of stuff I'll do for you if you push me on your networks. Mm-hmm. Logan thanks him and dismisses him. Connor, Connor sells him in a very cringeworthy line. Wonderful to see you again, my very good adversary. <laughs> Cut to Roman and Minkin in the bathroom. This is potentially the scene of the episode for me. Uh-huh. This is a really, really good scene between these two. Uh, Roman says, that was funny earlier. You tripping the light fantastic on Grandpappy's nutsack. Tripping the light fantastic. Isn't that a similar uh, phrase that Kendall used a couple episodes ago? It is, yeah. Yeah, so they're brothers, right? They use some of the same language. I think that's good writing. Kendall, uh, when I, or Minkin, when I called your dad bullshit, uh, I mean, did that bump? Uh, Roman's like, yeah, I never heard that before. Great. Yeah, really original. Mm. Anyway, they go on, and basically Roman says, look, are you really a fascist? I kind of need to know. Yeah, and he says, I don't have a lot of boundaries. St. Augustine, Thomas Aquinas, Schumacher. Mm-hmm. I'll borrow from anyone, and you know, if Franco or H oh. or Travis Bickle had a good pitch, fuck it. I'm all for a rhetorical turn of phrase and, you know, using quotes where they're appropriate, but dear God, man. I know. Even Roman calls this out, and he goes, "Hmm, H. Uh, someone named H was a naughty little boy." Mm-hmm. Megan then claims he's a fully fledged small D Democrat. A well-regulated election is a transmission frequency for God's grace. Megan then spews this: "I've been tending my little garden for a hundred. This is like him in like some sort of like speaking to the look US, at me. The I'm US. John Locke. I can fucking spout my political philosophy here, and it's just so poignant." I'm tending my little garden for a hundred years and 40 new guys show up. I wonder just in his mind, what those 40 new guys look like. 
just wonder. Uh, I'm um, suggesting a certain shade. In the back of a truck playing their boom box. Yeah, because oh, look at that. Now. Yes. And it's put to a vote, and they decide to give my farm to them. So sorry, what happened? Maybe you have to put in before you get to take out Roman. Who gets to join Mencken? What a line. People trust people who look like them. They will so give this more tax brand dollars of populism. to them. Thank you. Now, you could integrate new elements, of course, but come on, man, slowly. I mean, fuck, I like this country. Let's just take a beat before we fundamentally change its composition. Composition, composition. Mm-hmm. This guy mm-hmm. is unbelievable, like the way they've written him. He is over the top, dude. Roman, but there's a little thing here. You're fucking 6G and we're Betamax. But, you know, you need us. I think our news and our viewers, are, he calls them almost deads, his viewers. <laughs> fair read, fair read. Minkin says if he's the nominee, or is anybody really going to vote against me? And Roman's like, well, no. When in reality, what Roman should have said back is, well, no, they're not going to vote against you, but they may not vote for you and as large a numbers as you need. That's really all, right. all, all and, the time the argument and, for this rallying the base thing. And are you even going to be the nominee? That's the question we're making right now. Yeah, absolutely. Roman says, look, it's going to be a shit show going into the convention. I think he's right about that. I think everybody knows that in this world they've created. If you genuinely don't have a nominee that's a result of the primary process your convention is going to be crazy he said mm-hmm. i think you could you could use my push minkin says i think you could use mine he asked where roman is in all this here's roman's vision for the future you ready put this on a t-shirt go on i'm creeping on the come up i got some ideas for atm mm, sloof our some porridge and add some sriracha poach some of the tiktok psychos you know e-girls with fucking guns and jewel pods you know give me some straight shot blacks and latinos no more of this fucking pillows and bedpans you know we're strictly bone broth and dick pills deep state conspiracy hour but with a little fucking wink you know funny and the whole show is kind of set up for the star president jared minkin and this is roman's objective here the man knows media the man wants to get on the political get, get on the pulse of america and where it's going and he views this guy as just being a, the ultimate thing for ratings if we can make him front and center if we can make it about him dear god where our ratings go through the roof he's describing like a conservative political howard stern show like yeah. what howard stern did in the 90s it was like fucking nuts and chaos all around me i've got like mentally ill people and dick measuring contests and girls having sex and i've got people doing drugs and i've got drunk people i've got all this craziness around me and it's super fascinating and interesting and it plugs everybody in and i am the king sitting in the middle of it and that is exactly the vision that roman has portrayed here and it probably will work from a ratings perspective sadly enough cut mm-hmm. to meekin walking out he grabs one of the cokes places in front of logan this is kind of charming this is, i heard you wanted uh, one Logan appreciates gestures. He appreciates that kind of little thing. This was smart. This was both charming and smart. But it was one of Logan's cokes, by the way. Did you notice that? He just grabbed it out of the room. It didn't uh, matter. Yeah. Logan said, that was nice. Shiv says, he's not nice. He's not. Roman, Dad, I know you came to market to find a nice milk cow, but we found ourselves a fucking T-Rex. Okay, he's box office. This guy's fucking diesel. I mean, he's good on camera. He's funny. He's fight. Viewers will eat from his hands. So Roman is pushing him hard and pushing him as a sort of like, Dad, we found something different than we were looking for. This is not just an okay thing. This is a thing that right. will absolutely it's, spike our ratings. It's our media future right here. Shiv, let's just invade Poland, Dad. Ting. Mm-hmm. No downside. His chief of staff broke a kid's jaw at a rally. This is sounds Trump-esque, right? We just yeah, some of the Trump. Trump's folks there were, there were uh, fights, getting yeah. physical altercations with people at, at his rallies. Roman mocks her. Um, 
the Roman talks about how if they're going to go after Gojo, they need the ATN cash machine to continue. And Shiv, uh, he says, Shiv wants her way. I want my way. And Connor wants his way. Shiv then screams that her opinion counts more. So she is just down <laughs> to the screws here. She's just down to the basics. And this is where I, I kind of referenced it earlier. I feel like Shiv now is not necessarily just thinking about what helps me in my role in the company. I think she's actually I think she's scared. she's literally scared for America. Like yeah. at this point on for the rest of the, it's like eight minutes or so. She seems like just petrified for the country, which is kind of like an interesting place for Shift to be because it's like she's outside of herself just a little bit, which maybe mm -hmm. isn't a bad thing. I very much agree. I think this is Shiv actually caring. We, we, we've talked about Shiv being inherently selfish, and she is. But this just seems like Shiv, no, as an American citizen, as the person that lives in this country, I'm legitimately afraid of what's happened to the experiment. Thank you. Yeah. She says people hate him. You have to look at the climate. Great line here from Logan. Potential line of the episode. Climate said I was going down. Climate said I should just step aside. I guess I'm a climate denier. Logan gets up one. to leave. Carrie goes with him. Roman definitely. Uh -huh. Yeah. Looks like and your before, polling was off again, Shiv. And before, before, while Shiv and Roman are talking, we get an image of just looking at Carrie, looking at Logan. And it's the most we're going to fuck now eyes I've seen out of a character on the show before. And Logan just kind of looks at her and just nods like, one second, let me resolve this conversation. Woo. That, that was your read, huh? Yeah. Interesting. Um, uh, is this a problem from the Marsha standpoint? Or is he, as long as he's keeping it discreet, does she not care? Marsha made it perfectly clear what she didn't like was the embarrassment. She didn't yes. like that it was out in the open. And he's keeping this, at least right now, under wraps. Now, the kids know it, but they're with him at, like all, a lot. Like, I don't think this is something that's out in the open. So, I, yeah, maybe. I, I don't. I think Marsh is about the public view. It's about the yeah. insult that that embodies. I don't think she's going to care as long as it's kept kept discreet. But we'll see. Shiv gets angry, grabs her coat, and says, let's go at Tom. Barks at Tom. Not a good time. Not a good time to be doing this with Tom Wayne as option. Next morning, Spencer, we finally got it. We got the next morning conversation over a buffet breakfast for the succession crew. We had to have it. It's been it's been a while. We appreciate it. Feels like home. It feels it's like it, home. I'm we've so returned. Happy. Classic succession. Tom and Greg are getting some bacon from one of those little, you know, buffet things. It's probably very um, good. Yeah, probably great bacon. And Tom tells him he saw him. Uh, last night looks like you were having a whale of a time quote flying on the wings of white power greg yeah i was commandeered tom did it feel good as the fascist hoisted you aloft like the stanley cup potential line, <laughs> line. so uh cut to carry with logan uh she's giving a rundown as they walk notice they're walking together from wherever they were sunday show that. pushed him this morning let's see if the horse can run so this is logan talking about bacon so the, the shows have already started pushing him boom snapped his fingers just like that started to happen but they need one more thing before we're done <laughs> Cut to Shiv at the bar talking to Salgado. She says, couldn't quite seal the deal. And here I was thinking you'd be the man to put my dad in prison. Logan barks, Shimon! From across the room. <laughs> he bellows well. Roman tells her, we're doing photos. And it's a photo with the family and Minkin. Look and at here that. Here we have a attempt. A solid C-minus attempt from Shiv to stand up to her father. On she says, I'm not going to be in, I'm not going to be in a picture with that guy. And he says, yes, you are. And she says, no, I'm not. And he says, Siobhan, now. We're doing it now. And she says, no. And he says, Siobhan, get in the photo, please. Are you a part of this family or not? And that breaks her. And she, she says, I'll be in the photo, just not next to him. And Logan, pretending as if she got a win, which she did a not. Great compromise. Lost. He said, you win, Pinky. You win. 
Logan goes up to Roman and tells him, you did a great job, son. Roman, you did a good job picking this guy. Minkin. Logan then goes up and congratulates Minkin, and they're ready for their picture. And boom, in event episode recap over Spencer. Thoughts on the final scene. Oh, one, one thing there is that we got from Hugo a little bit of identification if you refer to Minkin as a congressman. So that gives us a little bit of background about who, he, uh, what his current okay. standing is. He's in the House of Representatives. One of, what, 435, something like that? Something like that. Um, yeah, actually, literally 435. Thank you. Uh, Woo! I thought, I, thought it was a, I thought it was a good episode. I thought it was very much a... It felt like... We mentioned that the last episode felt like it was a mid-season climax. Or like, you know, if there's been a longer show or a show from like the early from the 90s or early 2000s, it would be like the mid-season stopping point and return a couple months later. This feels like kind of the opening the new narrative. That this is where the show is going. This is going to be a focus going forward for what Tom's story is going to be, for what the political focus in ATN's story is going to be, for Kendall firing his attorney going that direction. We're seeing the new pieces be placed on the board for a new game. And it was solid in that regard. Absolutely. Completely agree. This show did, this episode did two things for me. One is it did exactly what you talked about. It set the table. It moved some chess pieces. It aligned for the future tension. So what we're going to get now is this DOJ investigation. Kendall doing his thing with that, running concurrently to the actual election. And I would love, 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 love to see these characters in an election, especially one where they have a vested interest and they're pushing somebody on their networks. I think that's going to be fucking fascinating. But the number two thing it did is we just got people in rooms being snarky and funny. This might have been a COVID episode. This might have been one hmm. that they filmed during COVID because they really were only in a couple rooms the whole the whole shebang. It wasn't it wasn't much as far as sets. Um, and they allowed the characters to just be snarky and funny and mean to each other. The sniping between Roman and Shiv. Sign me up for six hours of that every Sunday night. I'll be happy. I fucking love it. Uh -huh. I think it's the strength of this show. So there you go. That's our take. That's the end of the recap. Spencer, are you ready to do our power ranking Roy of the episode? Let's do it. You want to start at the top or you want to start at the bottom? I think start Greg, at, the bottom. at least, let's give Greg his honorable mention now. Does, Greg is absolutely honorable mention this week. He merits it this week. He He's actually got things. a basis for suing Greenpeace. One that was so that was so complicated that you wouldn't even offer a legal opinion. You had to you had to say, "I'm not offering a legal opinion to even speak on the matter." That's how hey, that's how great it is. And he got celebrated by Proud Boys. How wonderful! Hmm. Yeah, uh, like in the chair in the air too, like as a bar mitzvah. <laughs> and Tom may be eating his crimes. Even better too. Maybe so, maybe, maybe. Uh, so honorable mention goes to Greg. Let's start at the bottom. Siobhan? Uh, or Kendall. I don't think it's Kendall because Kendall planted the seed to Tom, and we both agree that Tom's going to flip, and that is only going to help Kendall. He can't Fine, Shiv. I think it's Shiv, and then we can go Kendall. And then I think we got to go Logan and Roman, right? Connor. You forget about Connor. Connor, oh, Connor cannot rank Connor. high this episode. Connor maybe is, is fighting for the bottom himself here too. Actually, I think well, let's put Connor at the very bottom. Let's put Connor at the bottom because he doesn't. He first off, Wyle is mad at him, like legitimately, mm -hmm. and he doesn't. He's kind of a joke in this whole proceeding. His political traction goes nowhere. He has none of the good snarky lines or independence we've seen previously. And though he's got a few loyal con heads, it just they 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 have no pull. So he's got to rank low. So Connor at the bottom. Shiv. Connor bottom. Kendall somehow makes it to three, just says how bad everybody else was. Woo! Kendall, three. Shut uh, up. I think Logan is next. And here's why I'm going to put Logan next. And you alluded to it. I think you and I are tete-a-tete -tete on this. Overconfidence. There's some overconfidence going on here it from is. Logan. He's feeling his oats again. He's back in his. He's back into power. He's in good health. And 
he, as Marcia said before, he can get ahead of himself. He cannot really think about things the way he should. And I'm seeing a bit of that. And can we just agree what's going to happen here? I think it's pretty fucking obvious. What's that? He's, cre- he's, cre- he's creating a monster with Minkin, and he's not going to be able to control uh, uh, Minkin. Are you suggesting that the populist candidate that a media establishment endorses could eventually in some way bite back on them and find ways to undermine them for not fully endorsing them at every possible moment? Yeah, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Where have we seen that in the real world? Never. Honestly, never seen it before. Does not at all resemble uh, exactly what's going on with uh, the, you know, potential presumptive 2024 nominee of a particular political party. Yes, it's it's art imitating life. And that's what makes it so good. But I think Minkin is definitely going to clap back on Logan. And that's going to be a problem. Logan, I think, is overconfident and thinking he can control Minkin. And that is why Logan is not at the very top. I think at the very top, we have got to have my guy. Mm -hmm. We got Roman, right? It's got to be Roman number one. Roman has been winning episode after episode just because he has had steady gains. This, I think, is the closest thing we've had to like a big win of where he actually picked yeah. the guy, and that's Absolutely. the guy that gets it. Yep. Yeah, that, that, I completely agree. It was, a first, it was like the first episode this season where Roman really pushed his chips in, and he actually got he actually won. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he hit on the river, uh, and his guy got picked, so shout out to him. Now we go to potential line of the episode, line of succession. Do you have nominees, my friend? I have a few, so let's go through this. I imagine ninety percent of yours are gonna be all Roman lines, but you know we'll have we'll have some varieties. I've got some. Well, just because I love attorneys, we've discussed this. I'm gonna go a line from Lisa first. Well, I don't do requests because I'm not a DJ. Man, have I felt like that as an attorney before? You get you have people come in your office and just like try to get you to play the hits. Uh, in a metaphorical standpoint, yes. Uh, I've got Shiv. Is it just me, or is in a room full of Timothy McVeigh's, does Connor suddenly look like a Roosevelt? Uh, I like that one. Uh, one from Logan. I need to keep my spoon in the soup. I love Logan's little summary lines for what his strategy is. Yeah, he's good. Tom, oh, don't worry, Greg. It's a nice safe space where you can... Uh, sorry, I'll do it again. Tom, oh, don't worry, Greg. It's a nice, nice safe space where you don't have to pretend to like Hamilton. <laughs> that one's funny to me. Um, Greg, I, I, I just feel because of my physical length, I could be a target for all kinds of misadventure. Uh, here we go. Fucking jelly boned, low T pip, pip, cheerio fucker. Yep. Uh, are you asking, this is from uh, Tom. Are you asking if you can hook your bubble of corporal wrong, corporate wrongdoing on one of my branches, Greg? Tom, another Tom one. A lot of Tom ones this episode. Yeah. You know, Rasputin would take a dose of arsenic every morning with breakfast to build up his tolerance. Uh, Greg? Well, my grandpa g- gave my inheritance to Greenpeace, and then someone posted a comment on their website, and it could be contain a slight on my character, and then Greenpeace promoted the comment, and so my lawyer thinks that that's defamation. So, yeah, uh, that's how I'm trying to sue Greenpeace. Uh, Kendall, uh, no, Tom to Kendall. I don't mean to be insulting, but having been around a bit, my hunch is you're going to get fucked. Because I've seen you get fucked a lot, and I've never seen Logan get fucked once. My favorite episode, that one. Uh, and one last one for me. Climate said I was going down. Climate said I should just step aside. I guess I'm a climate denier. Finally, we're strictly bone broth and dick pills. <laughs> yeah, I didn't own one of them. New tagline. I actually tweeted that. I actually tweeted that uh, from our, our Mangum Talks uh, Twitter account. Which uh, I don't really do anything with. Uh, mm-hmm. Our Mangum Talks Twitter account has been dead. I just set it up, and I never have 
promoted it or anything. Never asked anybody to go to it. I've started to tweet a little bit from it. If you uh, do follow it or you want to go to it, it's me. It's not Spencer. Please don't associate anything that has been said on it with Spencer. You'll know though, because it's a lot of like wrestling retweets and like succession retweets. And that's like me. But yeah, I actually posted that one as a screenshot of Roman with we're all bone broth and dick pills, but we can only have one Spencer. That's the name of the game. So potential succession season three Tell episode me so. six is i don't mean to be insulting but you yeah. haven't been around a bit my hunch is you're gonna get fucked because i've seen you get fucked a lot i've never seen logan get fucked once had to be line of succession had to be. I, god you noted it before man if they got a great actor in tom i'm amazed i've not seen him in more things but that guy just can sell whatever scene he's in <laughs> Yeah, and that they gave I mean, they fed him the line that we all have been thinking the entire time, which yeah. is like, it, it, this happens over and over and over again, right, in the show, is that Kendall bucks Logan, Kendall gets fucked, Logan get, skates, no problem, and Tom just summed it up, so that's line of succession for this week. Let's go to my three favorite minute, minutes of the week, and that is Spencer's relationship advice to the episode, Spencer, take it away. Well, a few just relationship things I liked, and then ending on a little bit of very odd advice that I'm making purposely contentious. Uh, first thing. Have a close friend that you can just invite at any hour to meet you at a diner. It's a great thing Man. to have in life. It's if you can, it, that is the kind of friendship that you really should dream and aim for. Is that somebody you can call at three a.m. and says, "Hey, I need to talk. Can you meet me at a diner?" It's a wonderful thing to have that, and I'm glad that Tom and Greg have it, even if it's just a weird, damn relationship the two of them. Share. I'm not sure I've got that, only because like I don't like other people who are close to me. But I am if, jealous of it because that would it, be fucking sweet, wouldn't it? it if we were if we were living within this, you know, within something resembling less than ten hours away from each other, call me at any hour, man. I'd be there at the diner for you. We, yeah, we would go to the diner. You do like diner food too? I so love I diner know. food. We, I, we, and we, I love we diner get, coffee. You, you'd get coffee. I'd get milkshakes. It'd be a wonderful time. Awesome. Let's do it. Uh, we get together. Also. I love how the show portrays sibling relationships of where they can be on the abject outs. They could be just dead and gone, but they're still all going to share a conversation about their mom getting remarried. And it's all that, gonna... that was kind of like a weirdly heartwarming moment of yeah, the episode, it was, wasn't it? Wasn't it? it, it felt when Kendall very picked authentic. up and they just talked about it, I thought yeah. that was so cool. And they they off reference to what else they're doing, but the main thing they're talking about is, oh God, what is mom doing now? And it really felt like an authentic kind of sibling relationship. And as you noted, too, the little sniping that they all share at all times, this show writes siblings better than almost most of the things I've seen on television. And it's nice to see that played out. Uh, off comment again, find someone that looks at you the way that Carrie does when she wants to fuck you, because dear God, but maybe not do it, because I'm worried that it's actually going to blow up Marsha, Marsha relationship thing again, because I think they're More telegraphing money. that. You just count the millions. Like you know, you know, there's a you know the, in the bank when they're counting bills that that thing. Yeah, that's what's yeah, going yeah. on. I, that's what's I, going on with Marsha at the house right now. <laughs> did, did I tell you in my prior life I was a bank teller, so I would use that machine all the damn time. <laughs> Man, you perfect bank teller. Yeah, you, you wear the the tie and the the white shirt to work I, every day. I, I was full suit and tie the entire time. I was dre- I was dressed up for it. Give out lollipops to kids. I gave out lollipops to kids. I also have people that would give out twos that I would purposely save for them. Nice. Okay, you're a good bank teller. I, I, I enjoyed it for the summers I did it. Uh, last bit of advice, your wedding and you. Your There's so much pressure on people when they're doing a wedding, and I've seen this in other friends and even you know to me to a certain degree, that the wedding isn't about you. It's about the family. It's about the experience. It's about what everybody else comes to it. 
I don't agree with that. Your wedding is your own event and you should do it how you want. So I actually endorse their mom's decision to invite who she wishes to her wedding. And if that doesn't include any of her children or family, power to her. It's her party and she could do it how she wants to. So your relationship advice of the episode is if you don't want to invite your kids to your wedding, don't do it? Absolutely. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to go on the record here and say that your wedding is not only about you. It's a big fully event. acknowledge. Uh, and uh, you have a responsibility. You, you, you have a responsibility to your friends to have a wedding this, that we can this, all enjoy. This is the moment you. to reveal that I've been married for six months. Sorry you didn't get the, sorry I didn't let you all know. You son of a bitch. All right, we're yeah. still going to have a wedding though. Um, yeah, after the fact, one of those fake ones. Uh, okay, cool. That's Spencer's relationship advice to the episode. Spencer, I think this was a hell of an episode. And I'll tell you, it was a lot of fucking dialogues. I'm sorry it's long, but that's just how it rolls. Um, I'm not going to bury the lead. Hyped about next week, got to say. There are moments where I'm convinced that it's going to be a Lee episode. Watching this preview, dear Lord, could you contain yourself? How many gifts am I going to receive over the course of the, over the, course like of the day before the episode? Yeah, before you watch it. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I always, cause I always watch the episode first and I always send Spencer gifts that sort of like get, leave him a little breadcrumbs, little trail. Little Logan esque with the DOJ breadcrumbs <laughs> about the episode. That's what I'm going to leave you. Uh, this was a great episode. I think it's a great season. It's it's just man, this show is so quality every fucking week. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the writing, the dialogue, the place pacing, the plot, the shots, the scenes. All of it is really good. Shout out Succession. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, this is a Mango Talks podcast. You enjoy Mango Talks podcast. And if you are listening right now, two hours in, you like Mango Talks podcast. So. Go to your favorite podcast platform, type in Mangum Talks, and check out our stuff. Thank you for listening. Please, if you are enjoying this podcast, rate, review, subscribe. If I had to rank those, I'm going to say review, rate, uh, subscribe. There you go. That's the one, two, three. Because the more you do that stuff, the more it moves us up the search rankings, the more people who can listen, and the more we can sort of grow this community of folks who all enjoy Succession, watch it together, and have a good time just talking about it. So please give us your feedback. We really enjoy that stuff. Thank you all for listening. We will be back with you next week on Line of Succession for Season 3, Episode 7. I'm thinking it's going to be a doozy. So we look forward to talking to you then. I hope everybody has a good week. See ya! See ya!